Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Mark Dykton, I am excited for this morning's show for two reasons. I mean, there are always myriad of reasons that I would be excited about this show, uh-huh. but in particular on this Wednesday edition of Kevin and Query, and good morning to all of you on Hump Day Wednesday, Kevin Bowen, that means that he is halfway through his vacation, Jake Query is my name, Mark Dykton, the other voice you just heard, we've got Sam Fritz running the big board for us, and uh, coming up today on the show, I'm excited about it because he was always... Kind of an enigmatic figure when he played for the Colts. I should back that up. I wouldn't say he was enigmatic because I think we had a because he was actually transparent in who he was. He never wagered from who he wavered, I should say, from who he was. But Edgerin James, during the time that he was an Indianapolis Colt, didn't necessarily feel it important to always be talking to the media and accommodating the media, not in a bad way. He wasn't rude about it. He just was kind of there. Didn't We didn't talk to him a lot. And I think he was very misunderstood because of the, the dreads and the gold teeth. I mean, those stories are well documented. And I have always said, I think it's very unfair that a lot of people thought that Edron James, because of his accent, just wasn't a well-spoken guy and he is one of the most intelligent professional athletes I've ever been around Um, and in particular in his post-playing career has really become a a great soundbite and just a a really good individual good businessman dad etc anyway being a running back that led the league in rushing in his first two seasons for the Colts before he got hurt in week number in uh, season number three Bounced back from that, still was a dynamic player. With the running back situations, the talk yesterday in particular about everything going on with the running back spot in the NFL, Edron James going to join us on the program today, just about 35 minutes from now, as a matter of fact. We're going to talk to Edge, who is down in Florida. So we will get a hold of him here coming up before the end of the hour. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Then at 9 o'clock, the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, will join us. And we're going to talk a little um, Indiana Sprint Week before we round out the show at 945. But the other reason I'm excited, you, you never stop learning, right, mm-hmm. in life. Life is all about the, the constant pursuit of well-roundedness. And I had no idea this was possible. But I got a pretty cool text this morning, just about 15 minutes ago, from Austin, And it starts out and says, Jake, hopefully this comes through at 6.45 a.m. and not 9.30 p.m. I am trying a scheduled text. If not, I'm truly sorry it's so late. I work nights, so I cannot text or call during the show, and I listen to it on podcast. And he went on to talk about how he agreed with me about he thought it was kind of gross the way NASCAR objectified the lobster in Loudoun. But. I had no idea you could schedule a text. Do you know how to do that? No, I was just going to say that. First that is, off, that I got my eyebrows. I raised. got a kick out of somebody saying, "I'm sorry, it's so late at 9:30 p.m." That's like noon to me. Yeah, I was going to say you usually don't go to bed till like three in the morning. You're like, oh, I'm so tired. Correct. But yeah, I, I had, didn't know you could. I know you could schedule a tweet. I didn't know you could schedule a text. I need I'm gonna, to. I'm going to try to schedule a text to you. 
Oh, well, let's not make it for like midnight. No, I'll do it for like five minutes from now. And we'll see okay. if we get it. Uh, but anyway, good morning to you. What's going on? Not a ton. I mean, uh, you know, not too bad of weather yesterday and stuff. So we hung out kind of at the house, did some yard work and whatnot. Unwinded uh, with unwound. the unwound, unwinded, whatever. Uh, with the um, the second episode of Quarterback on Netflix. I don't know if you've watched that show you know, yet. Uh, when I was flying back from Toronto, I sat next to Eric. I don't know if it's winning or whining. One of the photographers has been around forever. I've worked with him for years. And he was watching it. I could see he was watching it on his phone. A lot of Kirk Cousins from what I could see. Yeah, he's a weird guy. Um, so school me on it. So oh, I'm two episodes in of the eight, I believe, that are total. So it follows. This is all from last season. And I, I don't know anybody that knew that this was happening while it was being filmed. But they followed Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota all last season. So the whole premise of the show is you're following three quarterbacks of varying success throughout the entire 2022 NFL football season. So you get to see post-game, pre-game, what they're like at home, what they're like with their family and wife and kids and all that stuff, what they do on their spare time. It's pretty fascinating. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is a very big focal point of the series, as he should be. He's the face of the NFL at the moment. Uh, so you get a lot of behind-the-scenes looks of what he, he does and all that stuff, how he works on, which I found fascinating in Episode 2, how he, everybody always is like, all oh, those improvised throws he throws, those sidearm throws, and he's falling, he throws them, and he shows how he works on those kinds of passes because he's got kind of a baseball mentality where he's like, yeah, if I'm getting paid all this kind of money, I should probably be able to evaluate every situation and, and pass accordingly, depending on what, what's happening with the defense and all that. I found that very interesting. Marcus Mariota, obviously, has gotten off to a very rough start in 2020, 20, uh, 2022, so you see kind of the ups and downs of kind of a journeyman quarterback at this point. And then Kirk Cousins is just kind of a weird guy. He's he's like, you know, he, he's he's thinking about a pass he had, and he's sitting alone by a campfire and kind of like evaluating himself. And I'm like, is, is this for the cameras? Or is this what you're kind of like in real life? And then he well, he, it- he brings you to his house, and he's got a uh, he's got like a secret room. He's like, let me show you the secret room. And he's like, I didn't want to I didn't want to brag. I don't want to put myself up, but it's like a whole like collection of all his like stuff throughout his year all his memorabilia and everything like that he's like i feel if i had it displayed i'd be a weird guy i'm like well you have a secret room to display it so i think that's also kind of weird that's cousins you said her cousins yeah so the show itself each episode is how long about just under an hour okay now what percent of it is the guys like in the facility in other words we'll go with the ted lasso analogy here Ted Lasso, I think the thing that, that people loved about it is, you know, people would say, well, I'm not a fan of soccer. And it's like, man, soccer has nothing to do with, not mm-hmm. nothing, but I mean, you know, you don't have to be a soccer fan to enjoy Ted right. Lasso. Mm-hmm. What percent of quarterback is about inside the facility X's and O's football? Uh, very little. I would say, I mean, they do like obviously game recaps. They, I think the first episode, they went through the first three weeks of the season with all three guys and everything. And then it was mostly like getting ready for the games, kind of showing their past history in college and all that stuff where, the, where they've gotten to this point in their careers in football and everything. So I'd say very little. I mean, there's a lot like there's training, like showing them exercising and doing workouts and all that stuff, but it's not like you're sitting in on meetings and it's not like hard knocks where you're getting like meeting inside and it's, information. It's all just the three, right? Mahomes, just Mariota three, yeah. and cousins. Yep. I have nothing to base this on Mark, nothing, but for whatever reason, I have always gotten the impression. 
So I, I take that back. I do have something to base this on. My buddy Rob DeMello is the sports director at the ABC in Honolulu, and he is a native Hawaiian, right? Mm-hmm. Grew up there, never lived anywhere but on the island. And he has told me, he says this about Tua as well, but I think he really likes Marcus Mariota. You know, he's covered him since high school. Really likes him, says he's a good guy, et cetera. Um, is, does Mariota come off favorably? I would say, yeah. Because they they obviously show like his college career leading the Heisman and all that stuff, and then they they're the, this last episode they were in Seattle because they had a game against the Seahawks and everything, and they stayed and practiced at Washington University University of Washington's campus, and he was reflecting being an Oregon Duck. He's like, usually you don't want to come to this stadium and all that stuff, and they kind of reflected on how you know it was a really big deal that he was the first Polynesian player to win awards like that and everything, and so you get a little insight into that, and you know he also just talks about how. You know, this kind of put up or shut up time for his part of the career. And and I'm almost embarrassed to ask this because I can't remember because he's kind of a journeyman, to your point. Mm-hmm. This particular season follows him while he's playing where? With the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. So that was when he was kind of grooming Desmond Ritter, but at the same time mm-hmm. the starter, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Got off to a rough start. So it's going to be pretty interesting because obviously you see the highs and lows. The Colts have been featured already in the first episode with the – the beating of the Chiefs, and obviously, and then they they do the, the end of the episode coming up on this season, and then it's obviously the Vikings, uh, the Vikings episode where the oh yeah the Colts lose that one. It's like kind of both sides of the Colts season where the high was beating the Chiefs and the low was probably blowing that gigantic lead to the Vikings. Just, just to step in real quick, Mariota was released by the Falcons in February. He's a Philadelphia Eagle now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I so, knew he wasn't. Yeah, he, yeah, but I mean, it was featured while he was the with definition the definition of a journeyman for yeah, sure. Yeah, but while he's with the Falcons, so yeah, you can you. You can imagine how that season's going to go and, and all that. So it'll be pretty interesting. It's so already, what makes Cousins weird? Just, just I think, it, like I said, just kind of like weird. Like I've always been told he's kind of a weird guy in the first place. And then just kind of seeing like where he's sitting by the campfire by himself and reflecting on a pass that he had that was bad. I, again, I don't know if it was just for the cameras and all that stuff, but he's like in his own head and then the memorabilia thing. And I've, I've heard people have watched a few episodes ahead of me. have already said, yeah, doesn't get much less weird. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm kind of expecting it to be interesting, but it's a big hit. Uh, apparently, it's already been picked up for season two. Uh, from so it's a Peyton Manning production. Omaha Productions is doing it as well. But um, from what I've enjoyed from two full episodes so far, I've loved it. I think it's going to be pretty easy watching the rest of the way, and I could see this supplanting Hard Knocks as far as like the must see, you know, behind the scenes NFL thing because it's the most important position in sports. It features three guys of varying success. And I'm curious who's going to be, because obviously the season's right around the corner. They're going to have to have three guys lined up to film season two. So I'm curious who would be good candidates for season two of quarterback. And I've got a couple in mind, and I was going to see if you thought. I, I think the key to it, though, is this. The key to why this one will be the best that they do is the fact that no one really knew this show was being made. Yeah, I don't. I don't ever hear anything of this all of a sudden it just came a trailer came out a few months ago it was like hey it's coming in july it's like whoa and never so heard that. therefore there's almost like the players because there was no hype about this show and people weren't like hard knocks once everyone knows what it is then everybody knows like you know those guys know the cameras constantly around the corner etc cetera, etc cetera. so i'm not going to say things are influenced by that but you can't rule it out and Mm -hmm. and this 
what you're watching, you're like, oh, man. I mean, like, it's not like other players probably even knew what – not the quarterbacks did, but it's not like other players truly knew what was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, hey, Jake, can you please explain what's going on with Anthony Richardson? I, I The answer would be probably nothing. I mean, the reality is this. There was a time where a player not signing a contract was a big deal because you they were negotiating what it was going to be. Now, the way it works out just with the new NFLPA and everything else, the, the – the, the salaries are des- are designated already based on where you're drafted. So, yeah, it's possible they might be ironing out a, a few incentives or something like that, but I I cannot foresee a situation where Anthony Richardson is not signed by the time camp rolls. I, I would be shocked if he's not in camp a week from today. A, a signing bonus might be something that they're – but, yeah, there's no way – I shouldn't say that. I mean, anything is possible. Um but I would not worry at all about the fact that he is not signed at this point. I I would assume, and if you know, if it's not ironed out before the weekend, it'll get ironed out by the weekend. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Uh, quarterbacks that you think would be good moving forward to do uh, this oh, for about? the quarterback situation. Yeah. So obviously, they if they're going by the the model that they've kind of gone with, which is what tell me uh, that again. three I would three say quarterbacks. Right? Patrick Mahomes, I would say the most successful quarterback in the NFL, one of the top, you know, obviously top three quarterbacks in the NFL at the moment. Uh, kind of a a guy who a veteran who's had success, but hasn't necessarily won the big one would be Kirk Cousins, and then Marcus Mariota, okay. kind of a journeyman veteran quarterback. I can't see them doing a rookie situation, so I would rule out Anthony Richardson and you know Will Levis and those those kinds of guys. I don't think they would be a second a first year quarterback situation. I don't think anybody would want that. But so based on that, the three quarterbacks that I would pick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We'll start I've, the, I've got three, and I would like to hear your three. Start at the bottom, which would be like kind of the journeyman trying to to recapture it one last time. Uh-huh. Baker Mayfield. Okay. The successful veteran that has been around and been a good player, Ryan Tannehill. And top of the game guy. I, I would probably go Jalen Hurts. Okay. That's a solid three. I like that. So I've gotten I, – I wrote down a, a couple of them. Okay, describe them, and I'll tell you who they are. Uh, How can I describe this guy? Uh, One of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Allen. No. Justin Herbert. No. Okay. Uh, He smokes cigars after he wins championships. Uh, oh, Joe Burrow. Yes, I think okay, Joe sure. Burrow would be pretty interesting. Yeah, that's I fine. think I think he'd be an interesting one, especially with the Bengals dynamic and all that stuff. Uh, second guy, kind of a guy, it's an unknown, and this is probably biased on my point, my part, but Justin Fields, I would like to see what he can do. We don't really know much about him personally. I, I, I would he's put done, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence in the same category. I, I, I would also agree. Trevor Lawrence would be another solid option, but a guy who's got a lot riding on him. He's done a, a series, I guess it's called QB1 back in the day, where they followed the college guys, and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were a part of that. I never saw that show, but I guess he's it was kind of the same dynamic where they followed him for a full season. So he and Trevor Lawrence have both done it before, so it, it would be a seamless transition. And then this isn't necessarily a journeyman, but someone who I just I am fascinated by from last season and how this season's going to go, Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's a good one. Russell Wilson Russell is Wilson's a good one. Russell Wilson obviously loves the camera. He's also a very weird guy, apparently, and all that stuff with all his 
sandwich subway commercial weird stuff and everything going well, what's on. What's weird and, about doing a subway commercial? Oh, just you know, he's Danger Russ and all that stuff. If you if you if you've been on Twitter and you ever search Russell Wilson, there's some bizarre things. The Broncos country let's ride meme is very strong still and all that. He's all, he's a very weird guy. He's married to Sierra, but he's he's a very weird guy. But Russell Wilson, I think he he would you know be very interesting. Plus, plus you have the Sean Payton dynamic as well. Russell Wilson is a fascinating player because in a situation because I think we forget. It's easy to forget this. Russell Wilson, I, you know when. When it was clear that the Colts were moving on from Carson Wentz, and how fascinating is it, by the way, that Carson Wentz is still unsigned? Yeah. If you're Carson Wentz at this point, you're better off staying in shape. Carson Wentz's stock has nowhere to go right now but up, but it doesn't go up until a starter gets hurt. So if you're Carson Wentz, you're you're hanging out, you're probably tempted to find a place to sign and go to camp and start throwing the football, but anybody at this point, every team at this point knows who they intend their starter probably to be or the two guys that they intend to have battle for Correct. that position. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do now is wait until, you know, kind of like when Peyton Manning had the, the neck procedure at, at the 11th hour, and so the Colts went out and signed Kerry Collins, and it was like, here you go. Here's the keys. Mm -hmm. Carson Wentz at this point is probably better off waiting for a – and I don't know how Will Levis and Malik Willis. I mean, Tennessee's got kind of a, a crowded quarterback room. But, you know, name a franchise off the top of your head that has one quarterback. The Like a team that has some expectation about itself this year. And that there's, you know, like Atlanta, for example, nobody has any idea, like, what's going on there, right? Take Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. Yeah, Pittsburgh's a solid one. You know, if, if if Pittsburgh gets off to a decent start and then in week six, Kenny Pickett gets hurt and he's going to be out for five games, I could see Pittsburgh going, we need to sign somebody that can come in right now and play and just hold serve for us. Well, that would be Carson Wentz, a guy like that. So he's probably better off at this point to wait for that moment. I don't think there's but, any incentive for him to sign now. Right. But when Carson Wentz came here, I, I think it's very easy to forget. I think it was the Wentz year that Russell Wilson was one of those that was mentioned. And people were like, they've got to get him. they got to get him. And I think there's a reason. Say what you want about Pete Carroll. I think he's pretty sharp cookie, though. I, I, I think Seattle knew that Russell Wilson was – you know, the you ever seen the, the Roadrunner? Me, me. Yeah. Wiley Coyote and the yeah. Roadrunner, yeah. When the Roadrunner had this fabulous thing he would do where he would paint the side of a rock to mm -hmm. look like the road was extended, and then he would jump off to the side. Or was it that or the, the Coyote would, would do it to try to catch the Roadrunner? But at, at any rate, that's what Russell Wilson's career looked like. Like It looked like he was going down this, this highway and everything was fine, and in reality it was like this brick wall, and he hit it and it was over. Uh -huh. I mean, it, literally he fell off a cliff. I mean, yes. Last season with the Broncos was a disaster by Correct. every stretch of the imagination. Correct. Where you're like, you gave up a a monster amount of picks and players and all that to acquire him, and you're like, he's the missing piece for this Broncos team, and he could not have been worse. Correct.
And everybody's like, wow, this this is not good. And we are committed. Not only did we give up a bunch of draft capital and players to get him, we signed him to a monster extension as well. Well, that's the big thing, right? I mean, the, the financially, he's absolutely tied them up. Yeah. So, I mean, they definitely need him to bounce back after last season's horrific season. So that's why I think he would be a really interesting follow for quarterback season two if they, if they choose him. I, I'm curious if we're going to know who the players that get selected are because – like I said, didn't know who they were last year, but now there's a bunch of hype around it. I'm curious if they're going to kind of reveal who who those guys are that are going to be featured. Another thing that's fascinating to me about the quarterback position is oftentimes a quarterback in terms of the pressure on him, obviously, but also just the fan base and the, the way that they are received is entirely based upon how they were acquired and where they were acquired. You know, Russell Wilson, when he was in Seattle, was this underdog feel-good story that everybody loved. He uh -huh. wasn't a first-round pick. He'd played and had success in college and then finished at a different school and, you know, was a little bit undersized and yet just, you know, had the heart of a champion and was an accurate passer and just an, he's just a winner. He just leads guys. He's a leader of men. I always like that. He's a leader of men. Well, that's good because, you know. We don't have 14-year-olds in the locker room, so we need a leader of men, right? And then he goes to Denver. Expectation upon him. Got, you know, left Seattle under, like, what happened circumstances. Kind of the, not, not drama with his wife, but, like, always kind of in the headlines aside from football. And they give up a ton to get him. Goes to Denver huge football market literally like you think you think Indianapolis is Colts crazy it's like a third oh of, yeah of the way Denver is for the Broncos Broncos country let's ride I mean it, it but it is insane Mark they, they had a and I'm not saying this isn't kind of like that with the Colts but they had a, a radio station in Denver that was literally promoted as and designed as an all Broncos radio station they talked Broncos 24 hours a day. I mean, hey, if it pays the bills. I don't know if the, well, I don't they, know if the they, Nuggets are they ended that up kind flipping of radio the, play. They ended up flipping the format, so obviously oh, okay. people were like, can we mix in some avalanche? <laughs> but but the, the fact that they would even test that tells you about how big the Broncos are. But Russell Wilson, different circumstance in Denver, and so now he's like public enemy number one. He's like the football oh. poster child in, in face of like greed and what, hanging on too long and being – flaky like all those things yeah all has to do with how you're acquired and what mm -hmm. they give up for you yep but you know i i think nfl quarterback is a fascinating position because it, it is just such a there, there's a when peyton manning was playing before the colts won a super bowl the narrative around Peyton Manning from a lot of people was, you know, I remember my dad saying to me at one point, you know, it's great that Peyton Manning like studies all this film and can recite all this stuff and has this computer in his head. But gosh darn it, Brett Favre just goes out there and throws the football. Just, just show me somebody that just throws the football. And now you look back on it and you go, man, the reason Manning was so great is because he was like the computer that processed everything. And you know what I mean? Like, 
that is now far more celebrated than when he was a player. It kind of drove people crazy when he was a player. Oh, yeah, because he'd be up there screaming all this stuff, and you see players moving around, and the defense doesn't know what the hell's going on. And it was all just – most of it was just gibberish. It was it meant nothing. Totally. And it, but it was just his head games for the defense. So I think one of the most fascinating things that, that linemen of the of Peyton Manning era have told me is that they had certain words that Manning would yell out that was code for mute me. So he would come up to the line and – they would change the word based on where they were a lot of times. So, like if they were in New Orleans, the word might be something like, he went to Isidore Newman High School, so the word might be Newman. And they all knew it was Newman. So he told everybody, they went over it all week long. This week, Because they would change the verbiage in case of, for the obvious reasons. Right. So that no, you know, for unpredictability. Yeah. So let's say the word is Newman. So he would come up to the line and look over it and yell out, Newman, Newman, Newman. And then he's just yelling, you know, Omaha, Apple 3, Apple 3. You know, Buddha Raiders, Buddha Raiders. But the line has already heard Newman, so they know he is everything he is yelling is totally irrelevant. Right. He's He is literally just doing it because he's watching how the defense is reacting and completely freaking out to everything he's seen linebackers port of corners get him get him right, and you're right. like what what's happening and, and then the other thing i mean i know that obviously he has well explained this by now and as have other linemen but you know the big one was and this also fascinates me the colts in that era and i'm assuming this is still the case every play that they would call had an alternate play so if they go in the huddle and he says we're running a Blitz red code 32 left, which let's say that means we're going to hand it to Edrin because they're in the code of a blitz and he's going to go to the left. Everybody on that line knows that the alternate play to that is a hook right to Marcus Pollard, right? Mm -hmm. So Manning comes up to the line and starts yelling his stuff. As soon as he yells out Omaha, Omaha, that means to the line opposite. So he is now changing from the the 32 left to the Pollard out, and they all know that. Every other thing he's yelling is gibberish. Yeah, and it's all it's all by design. But but those kinds of nuances, those kinds of intricacies, those kinds of behind the scenes, those kinds of inside the secret handshake of the fraternity stuff. That's what fans, myself included, absolutely love to hear about because it's fascinating, and that's what you hope this particular show is able to kind of illuminate for fans of the NFL. The Patrick Mahomes stuff has been fascinating so far. Absolutely um, fascinating. Big show lined up. Again, as we talked about, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, going to join us at 9 o'clock. We're going to talk a little USAC Indiana Sprint Week at 945, but just about uh, 15 minutes from now, Edron James will join us on the program. That's after we get you caught up on what happened overnight here as you're listening to Kevin and Query, Hump Day Wednesday edition, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Major League Baseball last night. It took a while for the Reds and the Giants. Like, Mother Nature was not wanting to see the Reds and Giants play. But Giants win 11-10 over Cincinnati 
last night. Elsewhere, Cardinals over the Marlins 5-2. It was the White Sox also an 11-10 score. Losing to the New York Mets, Toronto over San Diego, or excuse me, San Diego over Toronto 9-1. Cute fella. Short in against the Dodgers 10-3. Cleveland over Pittsburgh 10 to 1. Your how about your Cubs yesterday? Did you see this? Yeah, that was nice. 17 3 mm-hmm. over the Nationals. Nationals got a field goal late. Uh there what when is the last time? Allow me to ask you this. When's the last time there were three games in Major League Baseball that finished by an 11 to 10 score in the same day? It's pretty probably pretty rare, I'd say. I think rare, it's ever happened. Error. Royals sure over the Tigers 11 10 as well. And Kevin's Oakland Athletics 3 0 over the Boston Red Sox. Uh Giants also finished off the Reds in that ma- that completed game they wrapped that up too the giants took that yeah. one as well four, four two, two and right? ten yeah reds are struggling man they gotta wake the bats up it's not been a good second half start for them uh fever also not off to a very good start right now eight straight losses they'll try to snap that tonight when they take on the washington mystics um, i shouldn't say tonight later this morning 11 30 in the morning washington mystics at uh game at uh capital one arena so on the road try to snap the eight game losing streak we'll see if that happens uh, by the way, Colts camp starting one week from today up in Grand Park. We will have several shows from there. As a matter of fact, there are a trio of rookies still unsigned, including quarterback and first-round pick Anthony Richardson. But again, as of right now, I would say that's of zero like legit panic or concern. Now, if you start getting in towards the weekend and that hasn't happened yet, maybe you raise an eyebrow at it. But in today's NFL, you're talking about a set-scale salary. They know right. what the salary is going to be the second their name's announced. Maybe some bonuses that come into play there that you, that you haggle out. Um, not like the NBA. The NBA is interesting because they kind of do the same thing. And then you feel bad for a guy like Jarris Walker because everybody knew the Pacers were going to take him seventh or wanted to. They end up getting a little bit of extra capital out of Washington by selecting the kid for Washington to protect that pick for Washington. And then they just slide back one spot. Walker goes eighth, and they make that trade. So if you're Jarris Walker, you're like, oh, man, the team that wanted to take me seventh got now two pays extra me less. picks out of it, and now I'm getting paid as the eighth instead yeah. of the seventh pick. Yeah, that is kind of screwy how that works. It was a big deal. I mean, a big deal back in the 99 draft when it seemed as though the foregone conclusion, the Colts had drafted Peyton Manning, the Colts had Marvin Harrison, the Colts had traded Marshall Falk, the Colts needed a running back. Everybody knew the Colts needed a running back. Ricky Williams was the Heisman winner out of Texas. He was on the board. It was seemed absolutely a fait accompli that Ricky Williams was coming to Indianapolis and people were jumping up and down and getting ready to go buy their jerseys. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, wait, who is Edgarin? I've never heard of this guy. He has a single-digit jersey number out of Miami, and he had like a 250-yard game against UCLA, and other than that, I've never heard of him. And why in the world did they pass on Ricky Williams? And then you know how it worked out, I would say, A-OK. But in terms of running back position, has it been devalued in the National Football League? Is Jonathan Taylor getting a raw deal, or should the Colts pay him up front? Those are things that I think are really good questions for Edron James, talking about the current state of the running back, and that's why the guy that carried the ball as well as anybody in the history of this franchise joins us next. Rolling along on a Wednesday morning. Good morning to you. Jake Quarry along with Mark Dykton. Kevin Bowen will be back next week, of course, as we get set for Colts camp. And joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, it is foolish of me to do a long introduction. He needs no intro. 
when it comes to Indianapolis, the most beloved running back, a man that actually started every game in which he appeared for the Indianapolis Colts. Edron James joins us on the program this morning. Edge, good morning, man. How are you? Hey, what's up, man? How y'all doing? We are well, thank you. First off, before we get to the, the main topic I want to discuss with you that we've talked a lot about, and that's the running back situation for the Colts, uh, I was sitting there flipping through social media, and I think it was Reggie Wayne posted. I, I guess it was this past weekend. My apologies if it was beyond that, but did you do like a road trip in the air with Jim Irsay, Tarek Glenn, Reggie Wayne, and yourself? Oh, yeah, we roll out with the big – I call him the big man. We roll out with the big man all the time, man. So, he had this um, concert he put on, so we got a chance to go out there and actually support and be a part of it with us along with some Patriots players. So, it was actually pretty cool. So, you went out to Boston. I, You know, Edge, I, I don't think I need to tell you this, and I think most people realize this now. Jim Mercer's an interesting guy because he has a great admiration in history for – the league, not just the the Colts, but the NFL in general. But I've always respected how he seemingly knows what every former Colt player is up to, whether they played one game here or a decade or whatever it might be. But is it safe to say that Edron James is Jim Irsay's all-time favorite Colt? <laughs> man, the big man loves all his people, man. He loves everybody. He included everybody, you know. Edge is Edge. It's like, how can you not like Edge, you know? Like, I'm Edge. <laughs> nah, just, nah, but all jokes aside, man, the big man does a great job of keeping everybody intact. It's a family organization. And, you know, once the code, always the code. And when you come through there, you know, you feel like you, you're back home. So he does a great job of keeping everybody together. And the inclusive part is what's actually pretty cool because when he's having something, he's always inviting uh, former players, and it's it's cool to be a part of that because, as players know, as when you when you go through this league, it's not the same. Every organization is different, and the relationship with the actual organization is not is not the same for every player. So, or for a lot of players in different organizations, but this organization, everybody loves um, the Colts. Everybody loves the Thursday. Is it? Did it take a second? You know, I know when you were here, I'm assuming, you know, you obviously went on and played for Arizona. You played in Seattle. I mean, did you, at the time that you moved on from Indianapolis, and, and you know, we obviously know what happened there. They draft Joseph Adai, and they go from, you know, to a younger player. Was there immediate, like, in, in that moment, was there a resentment? Or how did you navigate through the emotion of understanding the business of it versus the personal aspect of it? Well, it was – never an issue with me because I always understood the business. Anybody that knows me knows I've always been about my business. I always understood the business. And that's the thing about when you go into the NFL. Once you're in the NFL, you should understand that it's a business and things have to, I mean, everybody has to do what's best for them. You see the owners or the teams that do what's best for them. You see sometimes you see players do what's best for them. So you can't get your feelings involved in any of that. And I never had any issues with the Colts, and it was always good. And that's why the relationship has always remained intact. Even when I moved on, you know, I was always a Colt. What is your assessment now? Edron James is our guest on the Payless Stickers Hotline. You know, the the situation now with Jonathan Taylor, and for that matter, running backs in general. I mean, you, you know, we obviously see Josh Jacobs, who I think is a wonderful player. Cook is a great player that, that Minnesota had. Pollard getting tagged in Dallas. 
are we seeing the devalue of the running back? And as a guy who went from, you know, gold teeth to gold jacket yourself by running the football, what's your overall assessment of all of it? Well, it it, it comes down to you know, the running backs got to stick together. They got to understand their value. They got to understand that, you know, it is one of the toughest positions to play. And you bring so much to a team and to an organization. But at the same time, you have to, you have to understand that everybody has to stick together in order to get something accomplished. Whatever it is we're trying to accomplish, all the running backs got to stick together because without the running game, it's hard to have an offense move the way that you would design it to move. And I think the quarterback should speak up because you look at any quarterback or any quarterback knows if you want to, what's the purpose of a play-action fake? What's the purpose of, of when – that other team, the opposing team is blitzing. You've got to depend on that running back. And then the franchises, a lot of times franchises are putting themselves at risk if they don't take care of that running back because that's the one that can, that's protecting the quarterback. So it's a lot that goes into it. I just say the guys got to stick together and the importance of the position. History shows that the running back position is what keeps this thing intact. Any team that has a strong running game, you know, it opens up the passing game. The great Edron James joining us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Edge, it did seem like turning point when you saw guys like Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley uh, not getting contract extensions with their team having to play out on the franchise tag. What are your thoughts on the franchise tag as a former player? Well, I've been there, done that. You know, history repeats itself. It's, it's part of the game, but, man, just go out. If, if you love the game, do what you got to do to make sure you're in shape, make sure you take care of yourself and understand that, Hey, this is the, this is where I'm at right now. Make the best of where you're at, but try to get that long-term deal because every every player needs some safety, security. They need to make sure that you know their value is actually appreciated and shown. But this this is a business, and the organization is going to do what they feel is best. So you're always it's always going to be something that somebody don't like. But as as a player. You know, when I went to the franchise, went through the franchise thing, I just made sure I was in the best shape possible. I wasn't getting out there doing any of those unnecessary things as far as if I don't have to play in the game, I'm not playing the game. If I didn't have to do preseason, I wouldn't do the preseason. I would just make sure that I take care of my body, make sure I take care of myself. But you got to stay prepared and make sure you try your best to stay in football shape because you never know what's going to happen the next year. Do you believe, Edron James, that it's in the best interest of the Colts to lock down Jonathan Taylor and another contract? And if so, do you think that they should give him unlimited whatever aspect within reason he wants monetarily, or should they put a hard cap on it? Well, I'm not, I'm not in that position as a general manager or owner of the team, so I think it, history has shown the Colts are going to do what's best for the Colts. And as a running back, I want to see every running back get compensated. I want to make sure – I mean, I, I always would love to see a player get compensated because I know what it takes to become a running back, a top running back. But at the same time, as an organization, they're going to do what's best for them or what, the way they see things fit. And that's not something that I have any say-so over or anybody has any say-so over. So hopefully everything works out where you can find like a happy medium where everybody's happy. What percent of the Edron James that we saw as a football player was God-given? And what percent was 
being in Immokalee or Miami in the off season and getting up probably three hours before everybody else? I think everything starts from the top, man. Everything is God-given. And then you just capitalize off of all those attributes or those gifts that he gives you, and you recognize them. And then you go to the late-night trainings or you go to the University of Miami. You just All you do is bring out what he's already given you. So it starts from the top, and it trickles down from there. So I remember, Ed, you would not remember this, but there was one year, I can't remember what the circumstance was, but but there was a big question mark as to whether or not like you would report to camp or we hadn't heard from you in the off season. You know, I can't remember what the circumstance was. But I think you were very misunderstood by we in the media. I don't think the team misunderstood you. I remember Peyton Manning once said you were the best teammate he ever had. And a lot of us in the media I think miscalculated you, quite frankly. I, I guess I should apologize for that when you were a player. But you came in, and I remember asking to interview you on report day, and you were like, well, I've got to go get my, my physical and my body fat tested. And I think we made a wager on what your body fat would be. And I thought, like, well, this yeah. guy hadn't – I don't know where he's been all, all off season. I have no idea. And you went in, and your body fat was like 5% or something absolutely insanely ridiculous. No, way less than 5%. Yeah, what, 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 what's the lowest you ever had? It was like 1% or less. So it was way down there. But I used to always take pride in that. He's had his little machine. But, no, it's no, it's, it's nothing against – I mean, the media, that's, it's, that, they're not to blame. Everybody's going off of what they think or what history has shown. But, you know, I think from day one I shown that I was different. I understood the assignment. You know, football means a lot to me, and it meant so much to me that I understand what it takes to become a great football player, and I have a decision to make. Do I commute every week? to try to go to to go to Indianapolis to train in different circumstances? Or do I go to the place that's home, the place that I'm familiar with, the place that brought all this stuff out of me in the hottest part of the day to make sure I'm in the best shape possible? So that was a no-brainer. And I, I understand everybody wants everybody to be in place, and I, I, I get it. But for me, I had to do what's best for me. For best for me to train in that 100 degrees weather, with those college kids and with those guys that was or my, or the, my former teammates that would push me to another level because in the pros, it's different. You don't train the same in the pros. You know, everybody's pro, they have their own situation or their own strategy. But when you go down to college, those guys are hungry. I was able to get everything I wanted. And plus, I could be around my family because, you know, when football season starts, it's all football. And the off season is it's off season. A week out from Colts players reporting to training camp. What was your mindset this time of year, knowing that training camp was just around the corner? Man, I was, I was, I was always pumped up because it was, it was time. Yeah, that's when you get totally away from the game, you get totally away from the city, and then you come back. It's like, okay, let's let's go at this thing again because man, football players love to play football, you know. And when it's a chance to get out there, especially in the NFL, you get a chance to. Get out there and show you one of the best of the best. And all those years that you've worked to become an NFL player is real. And you have so many people that, or so many kids that's looking up to you. So you want to make sure you giving giving them the best performance. So you give them something to look up to. So I was always pumped up and ready. And I and I used to just make sure that my body was ready. That was the main thing. Edge, what are your impressions? If you've seen him, and I realize that we haven't seen him as a pro player yet, but what are your overall impressions or reactions to Anthony Richardson? I think he has all the tools. He just got to make sure he does what it takes. You know, it's, um, he's in the right organization. 
the organization is behind him. That's the first thing. You know, you're going to be in a spot that's going to give you every chance to be successful. So he's in the right he's in the right place, and he fits everything that the coach or every, he fits everything that the coach needs, especially in this day and age. You know, they got a court, they got the office. I mean, they got the, the coach that came from Philly. You saw how successful they were. Similar type players, I think Richardson may be a little faster than Jalen Hurts, but you know a lot a lot of those things that they had successful success doing in Philly, you can see them doing that in Indianapolis. So I mean, I think the the, the kid has a great chance to be successful. And coach, know, I mean, I think the people of Indianapolis know what it, what a great quarterback looks like, and they're gonna hold everybody accountable. Okay, I got two last questions for you to the city of Indianapolis, to the people of Indy Edge. The first is, when you think of Indianapolis, aside from football, what's the one thing of this town you most miss? That you, yeah, that you miss the most, I should say. Uh, it's a, man, I had some great years there, and it's, it's good energy. So, you know, anytime I come to Indianapolis, it's always good, good vibes, very welcoming, and I've always enjoyed it. And I, and I try to come a little bit more now, especially – doing more things with the coach. So it's, I can't say miss because I'm not missing because I still get it. Okay, lastly, Edge, for, you know, I know this time of morning a lot of times, maybe not during the off school year, but there are a lot of young kids that listen. And I think it's important, you know, like I said, Peyton Manning has never shied from saying that you are the best teammate he ever had. In your opinion, in the opinion of Edron James, if you were to speak right now to a young person who's involved in sports or whatever it might be, what can they do to be a great teammate? Oh, be there for your team. You know, you have to be there in a sense of, like, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You don't have to physically be there every day. Well, you have to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do to make sure that you are being successful. I think a, a lot of times you see – People, they, they'll blame this or they'll blame that. When you really break everything down, as long as you're doing your part and you're being there and holding yourself accountable, you're going to be a great teammate. Edge, we appreciate the time as always. I don't know that I've had a chance to talk to you since you got in the Hall of Fame. I know that's been a while, but certainly congratulations. And I think the entire city of Indianapolis was proud not only of your representation of the franchise there, but the way that you handled the induction, the speech, your message to everybody. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. It's good to catch up. All right, man. Thanks for having me. And anytime you need me, phone call away. Appreciate it. Edron James on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You heard him talking about um, working out in the 100-degree heat, working out with the younger kids in order to get ready for camp. Turns out one guy that there's a huge question mark about with the Colts yesterday posted a video that was encouraging and shows that perhaps that's exactly what he's doing at a time when we're wondering what he might be up to. We'll explain all of that, and Matt Taylor joins us an hour from now in the 8 o'clock hour getting underway here on Kevin and Query, 93.5107. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Five the fan. Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 8 o'clock hour underway. 
Jake Quarry along with Mark Dykton. Sam Fritz, who is doing Sam Fritz things by picking obscure 70s songs. <laughs> I think It Keeps You Running was a hit by the Doobie Brothers. And I believe this was the 80s, actually. Uh, it's a f- perfectly fitting title for a song based on what we're about to get into. Thank you to Edron James for his time. That'll be up in podcast form, which seems odd for me to say right now, because if you're hearing me say that, that means that you heard the interview. But if you'd like for someone else to listen to it, be up in the podcast later today. But you heard Edron James talking about working out. And I remember, man, it was just such a big deal. There was one season, I can't remember what the offseason was. It might have been coming off his knee injury. And then the Jay Moore call to... You know, when when Jay Moore called in to Jim Rome saying that Edron was unhappy with the Colts and not a fan of Jim Irsay and look for him to get out of Indy and and then the the greatest moment in radio history when Jay Moore and Bill Polian went on Mark Patrick's show together and poor J M V was running the board back then and um it's just a, a crazy time. But at that time I was working at WRTV and I remember we were all sitting in a meeting, like planning out what we needed to do for that that year's ratings book or whatnot. And I remember Martha Weaver's like, "Where is Edrin James? Why don't we get Edrin James?" Like looking at me and Dave, like, "Why have you not tracked down Edrin James?" And I'm like, "I don't, I don't think the Colts know where Edrin James is." Well, he was down in Florida working out, and and there was such a hub hub and a and a buzz about like. He's not working out with the team. What does that mean? That was when he had the famous quote um, when they had a voluntary workout and he wasn't there. And then he said, look, I only went to college for three years, but I know what voluntary means. It's a fabulous quote. Mm -hmm. And as we talked about there, we were in Terre Haute. He showed up and I remember it was like, oh my gosh, like I was, he he arrived and and he was going in a back way to one of the, the dorms there. And I said, holy cow like there's nobody else around i'm like hey edge can i get you real quick and like i don't think he talked to anybody at that point yet and he said well i got to go in and get my body fat tested and and he i remember him saying like you want to wager on what it's going to be and i think i said something like he was like if it's over five percent i'll give you an interview or something like that he ended up doing the interview regardless now i know that he just said in that interview what did he say that it was like one percent one percent i don't think that's even like to be honest with you, um, possible. I, I could be wrong. I, I want to say that it was like 3.8% or like 4%. It was really low, but 1% is like impossible, isn't it? I, would, I wouldn't know, but I would think so. Uh, but, but nonetheless, the point I'm getting at is that he was working out and working out in a big way. Um, and – he would show up and he was always ready to go as he talked about. And there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of talk, a lot of conjecture regarding Shaquille Leonard and the health of Shaquille Leonard. A lot of that was fueled, of course, by Jim Irsay's public comments that Shaquille Leonard uh, is working hard and there's a chance he'll be ready to go. Nobody knew if that meant chance for camp, chance for playing. Yesterday on Instagram, Shaquille Leonard did post a video of him going through basically shuttle drills in the grass. And I will say he looked great. I mean his his he looked in shape, but he also looked very agile and fast. And again though, 
a lot of times it's not about the movement and the fluidity of the movement as much as it is whether or not the body can take on impact. And that's what I don't know that we're going to know. And who knows what the doctors are saying in terms of, you know, Shaquille Leonard's injury is such that when you're talking about, and if for those that, that need a refresher on this, which I understand, he was having what he thought was an ankle problem. And then they went in to determine what was going on with his ankle and in doing so noticed that it was being caused, the problem in his ankle was being caused by, and I'm not a doctor and I don't want to speak specifically on that, so I'm speaking in generic terms, but essentially uh, some sort of a pinch or an issue taking place with nerves in his back, which is understandable because it's all connected. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he had surgery on that, and the, the recovery of that surgery has been apparently slower than was anticipated. And so that's where we are. When you're talking about that area of the body, Mark, the reality is I don't know that anybody knows. I don't know that Shaquille Leonard or his doctors know. And while it is encouraging the video that was seen, that is not a full pad, full contact video. I don't have any... I don't have any doubt that he probably is doing everything he can to, from a physical standpoint, get in shape. It's going to come down to whether or not the question, the doctors believe that whatever he has is going to be able to be played through at 100% with contact. I think I caught that video just in time because I can't find it anymore on his Instagram. So I don't know if he wiped it and it got deleted or whatever, but it's no longer up there. It, but you know what? I think it might have been somebody else that posted it. It might have been him. that. But uh, yeah, I mean, back surgery for anybody is a long, arduous process usually. And to be back surgery for an NFL player, especially an NFL linebacker who where contact is 100% going to happen, I can't imagine how much stress that puts on the back as well as just trying to recover from those kinds of issues as well. So we'll see where he's at. We heard Jim Mercy's comments on Pat McAfee's show a little over a week ago, and it, I mean, it, he said he's going to try his best, he's working hard, this and that, but none of that sounded like a very – concrete answer that yes he'll be there first day of training camp yes he'll be there in the preseason yes he'll be the start of the regular season I think it's very much up in the air and I think I mean I I I, personally I don't think you can put much stock in Shaq Leonard suiting up this year you shouldn't be putting any any expectations on him if anything you get from him on from an on-field perspective is a bonus in my mind in 2023 I um if, if you were an NFL player and you needed to spend the offseason working out and getting in shape, where would you go? Let's say you were playing for, give me a team off the top of your head. Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, Philadelphia Eagles. You're a Philadelphia Eagle. You are a, you'd probably be a receiver. I don't know about that. Well, based on your size. Maybe kicker. Okay, kicker. You got to work out in the offseason. Where are you going? Probably to Florida or California. I would think Florida – Yeah, I think what he says there, Edron James, is – I get it, right? The whole let's go like where it's as hot and humid as possible. Yeah. You know, the other the other place, to be honest, would be Colorado Springs. Sign me up. I'll go to Colorado Springs in a heartbeat. Have you been there? Yes. Have you worked out there? I've not – well, I climbed some, climbed some hills – there's yes. a there's a reason why like the U.S. Track and Field Center is there, because the oxygen content is so low. I mean, it, it once oh, you yeah. acclimate, you're fine. But I think that anything that you can do to put yourself in position to 
get used to and accustomed to working through something that then is going to be more challenging than what reality is so that the reality then becomes smooth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Colorado Springs is nice. So you're not going to get many rainouts. No. Florida makes sense, too, because how many times do you hear, like, when the Dolphins have a home game in August or September, and you're like, oh, the away team is going to be in trouble. They're going to be sweating. Well, the same it's 120 for, degrees on the field right now. I've always wondered this, Mark. I've said this on this show before. John Elway, at the time of his retirement, had the highest number of fourth-quarter comebacks in NFL history. And by the way, I've always wondered what that means. Like, if you're if you're down 14-3 to – Oh, excuse me, if you're down 14-13 to start the fourth quarter and on your first drive of the fourth quarter you go down the field, you kick a field goal, you go up 16-14 and then win 16-14, does that count as a fourth quarter game-winning drive? I don't know. Or does it have to be the final drive of the game? I think it has to be the final drive, I would but assume. At any rate, when John Elway had that record, and, and believe you me, I was not a Broncos fan. I don't know why I didn't had nothing to do with the fact that Elway had been a Colts draft pick because that happened when the Colts were in Baltimore and I was in the fifth grade. I didn't care. And then when I was in like the second grade, we were on a family trip in Chicago and stayed in the same hotel as the Denver Broncos who were in town to play the Bears. So you would think that I would have been like a huge Broncos fan. Yeah. But I was a Steelers fan. And my buddy Dewey liked the Broncos because he liked their helmets. I mean, those those helmets back in the day were pretty sweet. I wish they would go back to those. You like those? The D, yeah, with the D with the Broncos sitting yeah. on it. Yeah, I like those a lot. Okay. There's a couple throwbacks that they need to bring back. So, I watched a lot of Broncos games. They were on TV a lot. And two things that, that always jumped out at me. Number one is I assumed that Denver was like that it snowed all the time there because it seemed like every time I watched a game, they were in the middle of a blizzard. Now I know that that's not necessarily the case, but – the other thing was the fourth quarter comebacks because I didn't like Elway. And watching Broncos games, I would be like, man, they were like the dragon in Super Mario Brothers. You couldn't kill them. They were, they, they were never out of the game. Bowser. I don't Is that know his he, name? Yeah, he's more of a Koopa than a dragon, but that's okay. A what? A Koopa. What the hell is a it's Koopa? It's a dragon and a turtle combined. Well, he's mostly dragon. He breathes fire, right? He breathes fire, but he's got a spike shell and all that. He's the king of the Koopas. Well, he's... You want to come by and watch the Super Mario Brothers movie? We've got it on rotation in the Dykeson household. <laughs> he's the king of the Koopas? Yeah. What does Mario have against him? Uh, Didn't he kidnap Mario's girlfriend or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Princess Peach, yeah. Let's get Princess Peach. So oh, she's in another castle. So wait a minute. So let me ask you this. Is is she being held against her will by the Koopas, or is she there and, Mar- and Mario's jealous? Uh, well, if you watch the movie, she's kind of a, you know, she can ha- handle her own, but Bowser's in love with her and wants her to marry him. And then, uh, you know, she's not a big fan of that, but Mario's obviously keen on her. So he's trying to help her is okay. So does save she save the mushroom kingdom? Does she like Mario? I think so. Yeah. Are they friends? a little peck on the cheek in are, the game? Are and Mario and, and Princess Peach romantically involved or is Mario trying to play superhero? Like, is it a hero complex for Mario? I think it's a little of both. I think he's, you know, hey, I saved you now, and this and that. And then she's kind of like, hey, this guy's helping me against this dragon-like turtle. So is Bowser, is, is, uh, Bowser uh-huh. is he by nature a bad guy or does he just 
he just has a crush on her and he stands in Mario's way. He's got bad vibes all around him. Yeah, he, he's trying to take over the world, trying to get to this, catch the superstar and, you know, hey, Princess Peach, you either align with me or there's going to be trouble. Catch the superstar? Yeah, there's a star. It runs the, runs the Mushroom Kingdom and all that stuff. Okay. You and get full and power if you have so, it. So, so all of this makes perfect sense, but then why does, how does a plumber get involved? Oh, well, he's from New York, and he fell through a, the wrong pipe, and so he ended up in this whole magical world. Is that's that, how the movie goes, yeah. That's what it is? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. They have a plumbing company, him and Luigi, his brother, and then uh, he falls through a pipe, and he ends up in this, like, vortex, and he ends up in the Mushroom Kingdom, and there's mushrooms and dragons and... Flying live bullets and all that stuff going on. Do you ever so. wonder how many of the things that we enjoyed as children were actually the creation of somebody on drugs? Oh, 100%. I, but that was a good acid trip or whatever it was because it was a hell of a game and franchise that you got I mean, going. it is a, it's going it is strong. A game. Uh, so at any rate, I always wondered when I watched John Elway and those games how much of the fourth quarter comebacks were actually because the other team was playing at an altitude they weren't used to. Yeah, that's a good because the fourth quarter would they just completely run out of gas because it, like, I can't I'm breathe you, anymore. It's a thing, man. I'm telling you. Like if you go to Denver, it is a thing. I remember the the last time that I was in Denver, I landed and I was driving to Colorado Springs and I plugged my phone into the car and I had it playing on shuffle and the song Eight Ball by Easy E came on. Now I can sing that song verbatim in my sleep. And I'm trying to sing along to it as I'm driving and I'm like like couldn't come up with the words they like I couldn't I'm like what is going on and I remember I stopped for gas and I asked somebody and they're like yeah man if if you just landed you're not acclimated at all like you're just kind of in a fog and that's exactly right and it takes like it probably doesn't take more than say 24 or 48 hours I'll ask when we have Matt Taylor on I'm going to ask him about it because the first time that I ever went to Denver I was a freshman in college and Myself and a couple of fraternity brothers drove out to Denver because one of them was from there, and we were playing backyard basketball, uh-huh. and they all knew that I was an aspiring play-by-play radio guy because that's what I'd done at North Central, and that's why I went to Kansas. And so they're like, Jake, man, do play-by-play. And I couldn't do it. Just I mean, I could breathe. do it, but it just I, I wasn't as quick. Yeah. And I'm like, like it was, it, it, I was like, my brain was delayed, and, and that was like the day after we got in Denver. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, we were there. I mean, I, I've flown into Denver and all that. We did Colorado Springs for like a day trip. We did it and everything. And I, I, I think it was such a quick trip that I didn't really get a chance to get adjusted to it. And stuff. I didn't have any effects to it. But it is one of those things where it is real because whenever you see the Broncos either early on in the season or late in the season, everybody's like, oh, that's that could be trouble because in the right. summertime with the summertime, not only with the heat but also with the oxygen level is it's trouble for visiting teams. I usually. remember Indiana, nineteen eighty nine. The J. Edwards, Joe Hillman, Lyndon Jones, Jadlow Sloan, Eric Anderson, Jamal Meeks team. Not that I remember it well. And they, that team was, they went out and they got drubbed by Louisville and Syracuse early. And then they put it together and Knight went to the three guard lineup and they were off and running. They got high as, uh, they got ranked as high as number two. They swept Michigan. They got swept by Illinois. So they didn't get the number one seed, but they got in the tournament. And they blitzed through the first two games. Uh, UTEP was one of them they beat, I remember. And then they got to the Sweet 16, and they went out to Denver to play Seton Hall. And they were terrible. Andrew Gaze had like 19 three-point shots, and they got blown out of the building. Now, Jay Edwards had some things going on, 
beyond just the altitude, but I've always thought the altitude was a factor as well because Indiana didn't go out early and the others did. And I just – I think it hurt them. Yeah. I'm telling you. Probably did. Yeah. I, we've had a lot of Denver and Colorado talk this morning. So I, I just feel like that that would be a good place to work out for all of those reasons. But Shaquille Leonard, I mean, the video is encouraging, but I just don't know. I would tell people to be cautiously optimistic by it. Yeah, I mean, you can, you know, make your opinion either way on a 10-second – you know, workout video and stuff. You for, you say, well, he looks really good there, or wow, that's you know, ten seconds they decided to post of that video. Like, you know, I don't think that's getting posted without his permission, and whatnot. So, I, again, I'm not too putting too much stock in Shaq Leonard's availability for 2023. I wish him all the best. I hope he gets 100% healthy and we see him on the field. With that said, though, I mean, how how can you go off of anything that you've heard or seen from him in the past 18 months and say, yeah, he'll he'll be out there week one. No problem. Like I, I can't put, I can't do that with my mind. Does it feel at all like the Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning sagas? Because that's the thing. I, I think that we have a, a market and a fan base here for Colts fans that they, it's a PTSD. There's just a natural, like, oh gosh, here we go again. I've been, over, I, I've seen this song and dance before, and I know how it ended out with both of them. Yeah, it's a little different. Just I mean, position-wise, it's a little different. But I think just what he brings. I mean, he's the quarterback of the defense, basically. And you see how 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 dynamic he's been. He can go to both side sideline to sideline and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I mean, he'd be a huge loss, obviously, on the defense. He's the face of the defense. So, but I just I, I with the back double back surgery, one is bad. Doing two, yeah, that's a hard mountain to climb from, whether you're in Denver or not. I, I just think that it's – I understand we are probably a jaded market because when it comes to off-season injuries and battling back from it and then seeing a video that's encouraging and reading tea leaves, nothing against Shaquille Leonard. But this is a franchise that the people that are close to it, follow it, root for it, have been down this road before, not once but twice. And, you know, what's the old saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. And this would be fool me three times. Uh-huh. The Peyton Manning one, it was, you know, if you remember, it was the video of him throwing the football at Duke and David Cutliffe and, the, and this strange video that was leaked, and you could hear somebody say, well, that's a good ball there. Look at that. And you were deciphering that, and what does it mean, and is he going to play again? And Andrew Luck, I mean, it was – now it's a it's a weird bone in his ankle they didn't know about that only 8% of the population has, and they think it might have broken free. And, and, you know, then the shoulder and subluxation and Chris Hagan having to explain to people what that means because Grigson used that term and nobody knew what it meant and and ball sockets and, and capturing nets and tears and, you know – after a while, people are just like, let me know when he's able to play. And then, of course, he ends up retiring. So I just think that there is a hesitation by everybody. Yeah. And, and I Understandably, get yeah. We've been through it before, and then obviously just his history with back injuries now, it's it's not good. So we wish the best, best to Shaq Leonard. The, Hope the, he's out there. I don't know if he's going to be out there for training camp or the preseason, but hopefully we'll see him at some point, and I'd say whatever we get out of him at that point is a bonus. The Mario Brothers uh, – movie now is that animated or is that well there was an awful live action one back in like the early 90s that i saw in the theaters that was terrible and then there was the new one that just came out with uh chris pratt uh, or yeah chris pratt 
Jack Black, uh, Charlie Day, uh, a couple other guys. That was very good. That one was very well done. That's that's a a movie that adults and children can enjoy of all ages. If you've seen a, a Mario Brothers game, uh, it's pretty easy to dive in and you know get the full understanding. And people say, oh, Bowser's not a Koopa. Uh, it says right here, is Bowser a Koopa? Yes, he's also known as King Koopa. Bowser is a fire-breathing Koopa who leads the evil kingdom of turtle-like creatures called the Koopa Troop. Thank you, Google. <laughs> I've been in this game for 30 years with video games. I know what I'm talking about here. That's the most fired up I've seen, Mark. Oh, don't don't test so what my are the, Mario So what knowledge. are the turtles that he's throwing at people? Well, he's not throwing the turtles at anybody. Those are his comrades. That's usually Mario jumping on the their heads, putting their bodies in the shell, and then kicking them into the, like bricks or something. The turtles are Koopas. Yeah. Okay. No, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna venture into dangerous territory here oh, by no. making one one claim. You've never played a Mario game? No, no, no. I played a lot. My Okay, my parents in 19... Listen, listen. Let me let me tell you something to you youngins. I had the original Nintendo. Yeah, me too. No, 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 no. What year were you born? 1985. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Okay, With maybe the you Super did. Mario like, Brothers you, and Duck like, Hunt combo. Okay, you'd have been like three Blowing on the old, cartridge. Probably. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Get this thing working. Let's <laughs> okay. Play some Tecmo Bowl. So, so I was 15 when that came out. So, like peak age, right? Uh-huh. And Mario Brothers was the one game that everybody had. Some people loved like Legend of Zelda. Some people loved the sports games, track and field, Excite Punch bike, Out, yeah. Excite Bike, Ten Yard Fight. I loved every, but everybody loved Super Mario Brothers. Matter of fact, it might have even been that that was the game that came with the system. Yeah. But my, so I got a Nintendo for Christmas or whatever, and would play it. And then all of a sudden, I come home one day and my mom's playing it. My mom got addicted to Super Mario Brothers. Oh, my dad did too. I yeah. mean, my mom was playing it all the time. Literally, it was like, Mom, can you can you step aside? <laughs> can I squeeze in a game of Punch-Out, please? And so I played it all the time. But I, I am almost certain that there was one level that as you were moving and Bowser was there, he was standing and he was – the the little turtles were were he was throwing them down oh. and they would slide towards you. I don't recall that he would shoot the fireball. I know that. Yeah, of stuff. course he did that. But you would you'd be running and the turtles would come sliding at you because he was distributing them. I just vividly recall my dad has uh, a fr- a longtime friend that lives in Australia and they came to him and his wife came to visit us when I was probably like eight years old or something. We still had the Nintendo Entertainment System in our like game room area. And I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And I was like, the light's on. I walked in, and the Australian friend was playing Super Mario. He's like, I'm at World 7 right now. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> World 7? That's unfathomable. Did they have, Did Mario Brothers have a, a code? I don't believe so. They have warps, right? You could warp from one world to the next. Remember that? That was like, I think, Super Mario Brothers 3. I don't know if the first no, one the, No, you, I never got you, past You could the first in the one. first one. Yeah. Could you? Yeah. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, there were certain it's pipes you'd warp them. And you'd go from one world. Oh, to that's next. true. Yeah, you could go. I up. just know Mike Tyson's yeah. punch out. There was a code, and once somebody, I, I think George White figured out what the code was, and at basketball, like it was the biggest deal. Everybody's like, "Oh man, George has got the code to get all the way to Tyson." One Take- day, one day, I got to tell you, one day, I just was in the zone. It was like George Costanza with Frogger, the perfect mix of Grease uh-huh. and Mountain Dew. Uh-huh. I was in the zone against Tyson, and I made it to like round three, like two minutes in, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And I had the star. And I punched him in the gut, and I got him rattled, and then he made contact one time, and it was over. To fight Mike Tyson, zero zero seven three seven three five nine six nine. 
There you go. What was it again? I'm sorry. 007-373-5963. Yeah, but then, but then you bypass Soda Popinski, and who doesn't like trying I to know. beat him? Uh, time for a morning check down. The morning check down. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, the fans. Let's do basketball real quick. Rough, rough start, rough goal for the Indiana Fever as of late. Eight game losing streak. Not ideal. They'll try to bounce back today. They take on the Washington Mystics in D.C. at 11.30 today. That's our basketball? That was it. Well, there's nothing else. I mean, you know, summer league's over. Pacers aren't really doing much. There's been pretty quiet free agency at that the moment. That sounded like I was dismissing the WNBA. I just meant like... You ended that. Very no, I just figured abruptly. let's 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 let it know that the game is happening. But eight game losing streak, they uh, need to snap that. Speaking of losing streaks, it is not a good one for the Cincinnati Reds. The Giants over them four two yesterday to complete a game that had been suspended by rain, and then they turn around after that, and the Giants get the better of them eleven to ten. Strangely enough, that was one of three games that finished yesterday by the score of eleven to ten. Royals beat the Tigers by the same score, and. Where's the other one? Where's the other one? Where's the other one? Uh, Mets over the White Sox, 11-10 as well. Uh, Elsewhere, Major League Baseball, pods over the Blue Jays, 9-1. It was Cleveland over Pittsburgh, 10-1. The Dodgers over Cute Fella, 10-3. Milwaukee did get some assistance. The Reds did because the Phillies beat Milwaukee 4-3. So that keeps things within range in the NL Central. Rangers over the Rays, and it was the Cubs, 17-3 over the Washington You want to mention one other score there? My Arizona Diamondbacks? Putting up three in the ninth to win sixteen to three against the Atlanta Braves. Come on now. It was seventeen three, wasn't it? Or sixteen was it? thirteen. Sixteen oh, thirteen, I apologize. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that means in our race for PBR. You still got a nice lead. Arizona Diamondbacks, fifty three and forty two. The cute fella Baltimore Orioles, fifty seven and thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Four and a half game advantage. Mm-hmm. In yeah, race for I need PBR. you to fall off a little more. Hey, the that, cute fellow's only a game out of first in the East. I need that losing streak at the Orioles to hit like Reds level at the moment. That that would help me out greatly. So we'll see what happens there. But coming up next, uh, we've got some Indiana State Fair tickets to give away. Again, four-pack of tickets. I've got another question for you. We're not just handing these out. You've got to earn this. 317-239-1070. We'll do that next. Also, uh, Mad 99 ratings are out. I have a question I'd like to post to you. What would be a 99 in the city of Indianapolis? What is, what is something that Indianapolis does better than anybody else? So we'll talk about that a little bit more. Plus, Matt Taylor and Kyle Cummins, USAC driver, going to round out the show as well. It's Kevin and Query, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. My second favorite Doobie Brothers song right here. That's, that's right. This is Steely Dan. Uh-huh. See, this is the obviously... Now, this one's Punch Out. Yes. Now, did you know... How, how old were you? Or how? Let me rephrase that. How far into playing it were you before you realized that the music changed in RBI baseball based on whether or not there was a runner on base? I don't know if I ever really noticed. I mean, I, I right. it's one of those things where the music just kind of it, it, it's kind it, of just this? background noise. Dun, 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 RBI baseball dun, dun, was great. Dun, dun, dun. And then once a batter was on base, dun 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 dun. It got very much more dramatic. You your brain would notice that. I I can tell for a fact that you you would pick up on that more than anybody else. 
I watched the other day on, on YouTube, somebody put up a thing of RBI baseball, and I wanted to hear the music for nostalgic's sake. And I turned it on, and it was the uh, a, a heated matchup between the Angels and the and the Red Sox. Uh, Roger Clemens was pulled after giving up 28 runs in the first inning oh. with no outs. That seems like a poor outing by his. <laughs> I would not want to know his ER. I had a guy in college on my dorm floor, um, Eddie Ho. He was from Kansas City. Uh, double dribble. Double dribble. He, he, he figured out a, a glitch in the game where he could steal an inbounds pass and hit a three. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do anything against him. And he beat he he came running into my room once, like ecstatic, because he had beaten the computer one hundred and eighty three to nothing. Oh my god! And I'm like, well, you didn't even like one hundred eighty three. He hit sixty one three point shots. Ashley, now when we were dating, she knew I liked playing Madden football, and she's like, oh, I like playing Madden too. So we played a game together, and she beat me, and I was irate because she kept running the exact same cross route, and her guy would fall and catch the ball and then get up and just run like 80 yards, and I couldn't Marvin stop Harrison. it. Marvin Harrison. I couldn't stop it. No, she was the Chargers, and they, she had like Vincent Jackson, and it was like some glitch where every play she ran, it was the exact same play. I knew it was coming. I'd be the linebacker. I'd try to highlight the route. And got me so, every time, and I was—I've never been more irate, and I was shocked that we were still together. After I, this day. I couldn't, and this is going to show what probably just my lack of hand-eye. I don't know, but Madden to me became the fun of it went away after a certain point because it just became too intricate. You know, it was like you got to—you got the paddle and you got to hit it, and then you see all the plays on the screen, and you got to pick a play. It just—it for me, it just became too much. It the was problem like, is you're playing with a paddle and not a controller. That's well, your first I mean, problem. I'm talking about like in the when it first. Yeah, like Tecmo Bowl and all that stuff. Yeah, but oh, there's still nothing better um, than hitting the hit stick on somebody and just knocking the ball the, loose. The greatest video game of football ever was Bill Walsh's College Football, '94. But you could play with retro teams. And the 1980 Georgia team, Herschel Walker, was essentially unstoppable. But there was one play you could play, you could throw on third and long to the tight end that could not be stopped. And it was the same thing. It was like a glitch in the system. Complete every time. Bo Jackson was a glitch in the system in tech. He was a cheat code, for sure. He was awesome. (laughs) We'll we'll table the video game talk for the time being. We've got a four-pack of Indiana State Fair tickets to give away right now, though. We've got them all week long, two more days if you don't win today to try to get them. But you have to earn them. We're giving you a question. If you get it right, you'll get the tickets. If you don't, we'll move on to the next caller until we get a correct answer. So we've got full phone lines, Jake. Lines one through eight. Pick a number. Four. Four. Who do we have, Sam? Four is Terrence. Terrence. What's up, man? How you doing this morning? Pretty good. How are you doing this morning? Doing well. You been to the state fair before? Yes, I have. It's been a while, but uh, yes, I I, I, re- I remember. Terrence, you sound like a nice fellow. Have you called the program before? Yes, I have, Jake. And I want—I don't know if you remember this, but you remember when you was on the old show, and you remember when there was a breakout of the wolf and the monkey, and they couldn't find them. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you what. The, the it was uh, <laughs> the monkey. That was man. We that was very early in our time on my old oh, show. My God. Jake, I have never laughed so hard in the car in my entire life. When I heard that story, that was classic. Now, if I'm not mistaken, it, it, it was a monkey. There was some like some Nash or whatever, like animal refuge place. And then the guy that had all these exotic animals went bonkers and he let them all loose. And they they managed to find some, unfortunately, didn't make it. But they managed to find all of them, except for that a monkey and a wolf were on the loose together. And we were cons- we think maybe they were in cahoots, right? Yeah. 
Isn't that right? Because here's the thing. like the, So the monkey was like the brains of the operation. Clearly, he's a monkey. He's very intelligent. And then the wolf, is he's the goon. He's the badass that's like, stay out of the way. So he's you can't. He's the so, hunter-gatherer. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the monkey's going in, and he's figuring out ways to go in and get beef jerky and smokes and stuff like that. And he can probably drive the car. The wolf, on the other hand, is he's he's the muscle of the whole deal. Don't don't he, you know what I mean? Like you go think about this. If you're in a convenient Terrence, think about this. You're in a convenience store and a monkey and a wolf walk in, right? Well, you're paying attention to the wolf. You're worried about the wolf. The wolf could yeah. do anything at any time. You're worried about the wolf. So while you're looking at the wolf and paying attention to what he's doing to, to protect yourself, the monkey's loading up on vodka and smokes yeah. and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, tall boys and nerd ropes. Totally. So these two were completely in cahoots. And then if you remember correctly, Terrence, do you remember how the story ended? No, I don't remember how the story ended because uh, um, I remember when you guys just said, well, we're going to follow this and we're going to let you guys know. And then um, – Something happened, and I never got it. Well, so they 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 found him. They ended up finding him, and what they found out was the monkey was like out of his mind because he picked up a venereal disease. Do you remember oh. he had like chlamydia? They found the oh. monkey, and he got the clap. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what in the hell was he really was taking advantage of the, of the fun time, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, look over here. Don't mind me. The wolf is the ultimate wingman, clearly, is what we have found out in this entire scenario. But what we know is now they actually must have been found near Washington Street. That's that's what we know out of the whole thing. Yep. I'd forgotten all about that. That was like, man, Terrence, you got a good memory. Uh, Jake, I'll tell you, man, man, I I never laughed so hard when I heard that. That was classic, man. I'm telling you. And 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 like and just like you said, you came up with the exact scenario like you know what? That across country. I'm like, oh my god, this is hilarious. <laughs> I just—it was kind of like Kermit the Frog and Fozzie driving cross country in the Studebaker, a frog and a bear in their natural habitat. <laughs> yeah. um, Terrence, I, you've made Jake's day by just bringing him down memory lane with Terrence. That story. What do you what do you do for a living? I work at FedEx uh, Internet, well, FedEx Indie Hub. Now, does that mean that you work the overnight deal, loading up planes? Yes, I do. And, and what time do you go into work? Uh, about eight o'clock. 8 p.m. and you get off at what time? Because you only work like five-hour shifts, right? No, no, I'm full time, so I'm I'm there, you know, saying longer than that. So you're on your way home from work right now. On my way home right now is what I do every morning. Yes, I turn you guys on. And do you enjoy the job? I do enjoy the job very much. So, uh, great teamwork, right? Don't you have to work with like a team of people? Oh yes, yeah, most definitely. Do you, Do you find that most people that work for you are more monkey or more wolf? <laughs> Well, I've I've, I've found out, you know, saying that, you know, I I think, you know, I got a lot of wolves. I'm the monkey of the operation. (laughs) Where did Terrence go? He disappeared again. (laughs) Terrence, don't go out getting VD, all right? That's all we know out of this whole thing. That's what What happened to the monkey. That was his ultimate Public service announcement that was. That's right. right. All right, Terrence, we'll try to get you four tickets to the Indiana State Fair, but you have to answer this question correctly. You ready? I'm ready for it, my friend. All right, the the first Indiana State Fair. Hey, Terrence, I'll tell you this. You ready? Here comes the hint. Peyton Manning, Ray Lewis. Just just remember I said that to you. Peyton Manning, Ray Lewis. Go ahead. All right. Well, thanks for that softball. Uh, the first Indiana State Fair took place in 1802, 1852, 1876, or 1907. I'm going to say 1852. Congratulations. It's going to be Indiana State Fair. <laughs> Terrence, it, it pays to call in and immediately pay me a compliment, yeah, right? Yeah, that was the I am a parent. Yes, I am. And you have how many kids? Uh, I have three. I have three children. Three, and they are how old? Uh, my oldest son is twenty-two. My oldest daughter is twenty, and my youngest daughter is ten. And, okay, so the youngest will go to what's like high school? 
Um, well, she ain't in high school yet, Jake. No, don't, I know. Don't I said she will go to what high school? I don't know yet. Um, still, still deciding. Okay, the older two went to what high school? Uh, the older two, they went to Lawrence Central. Lawrence Central. Okay, my sister was a teacher at Lawrence Central, by the way. Oh, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, oh. She's Terrence, retired now. Terrence, congratulations on the tickets. Have fun. Bring some folks with you. Sam will get your information. Stay on the line, all right? Awesome. Will do. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Love the show, guys. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it, Terrence. And I'm as always, hurt, by the start, way. Terrence, start planning now. When you take your 10-year-old daughter in, start planning now when she sees the world's largest boar for the inevitable question. That's all I'll say. That's all I got to say about that. I'm playing hurt, by the way. I just looked down at my finger. My finger's bleeding all over the place. Well, wait till you're on blood thinners, buddy. I know. Have I'm, you I don't seen have my the, bruise? Should that, I show everybody my What's bruise? on there? Yeah, you showed me. Okay, it's getting worse. That looks it's like getting uh, worse. Well, you showed me your stomach yesterday for some reason. Now you're showing it to me again. Uh, yeah, that worse? looks like when Johnny Knoxville took the uh, riot control gear. That looks like what you got going on down there. So, when I do the racing play-by-play for IndyCar, we wear a pack, and on the left side, the pack has the the module that I switch back and forth from intercom. To, it's a little box that uh-huh. goes on your hip. And I was up in the lift in Toronto. I To do the races, I go out on a scissor lift. So in Toronto, I'm in a scissor lift right on the outside of the track. I go up. I, for that one, to, for the vantage point I had, I go as high as it can go, like 40 feet. So I'm all the way up on it. And in Canada, they probably should do this here, but in Canada, you have, you have to wear a harness. Uh-huh. So... I've got my belt on with my my pack on my left abdomen that has the toggle that switches from on and off. I had to put on that. I got all the way up and I had to put on that harness. And somehow or another, when I was putting the harness on, I hit or something that 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 pack struck me in the side of my abdomen. And I remember at the time thinking like, "Oh man, I kind of hurt for a second. I didn't think anything of it, Mark, until yesterday when I got out of the shower. I'm on blood thinners, uh-huh. and I have the most nasty bruise ever. I went to the doctor yesterday to have him look at it. And oh, he yeah? Looked, he looked at it, and he's like, yeah, you've got a hematoma. Da, da. So how bad does it look today? Well, I can't see it right now. You st- your shirt's still covering it up. But, yeah, it looked it looked it looks like it's grown a little bit. That's not good. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. We're going to get flagged on YouTube because you're showing skin right now. I don't know. I mean, is it? Sam, what do you think? So, so turn to the camera more. <laughs> what do you think? No, I was joking about turning to the camera more. I mean, that looks bad. Doesn't uh, look great. I, I didn't see it before, so I can't say. My whether abdomen better looks or worse. like Jupiter. Yeah, kind of. You got a couple moons there too. So, <laughs> well, thanks. Well, thanks for Terrence. Terrence, have fun at the State Fair. We also have WWE Fastlane tickets still to give away. We still got a busy show. Fastlane tickets. We've got Matt Taylor. And we've got some USAC racing with Kyle Cummins to round out the show as well. It's Kevin and Query, ninety-three-five and one hundred seven. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The fan. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Matt can- Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us 10 minutes from now. Mark, you said you had a question about um, the city of Indianapolis, right? Right. So if you're on Twitter or social media of any sorts, uh, we're getting that time of year where there's not much going on on the sports calendar. So uh, the Madden video game starts releasing their Madden ratings. 
and there's this new thing with the Madden 99 Club. It's, it's for the, the most elite players get 99 ratings and all that stuff, and it's always a big deal. Who gets what? Who's a 99? So it's the likes of like Aaron Donald or Justin Jefferson or the likes of those guys. So it got me thinking – we're doing all these rating releases of what's the 99, what's considered like what the best at their position, what's the best here, what's the best wide receiver. But my thought was, what's the 99 of Indianapolis? Like, if you could put Indianapolis up against any other city, city and say, we do it better well, with this, you what know would what, it be? You know what number one is. Let's hear it. Every person in their car right now, or at their desk, or on their walk listening to us in their AirPod, Air, what, what do you call them? Air, AirPods, you're right. AirPods, yeah. Uh-huh. Every one of them, when you say, what does Indianapolis do better than anybody else? Three-word answer. Everybody has the same three-word answer that instantly went in their mind. You are, when you, in Maslin, Ohio, when you're born in Maslin, Ohio, they, they give you a Maslin Tiger, like little stuffed football in the hospital. When you are born in Indianapolis, as I was at Methodist Hospital on September 3rd of 1972. When you're born at Methodist Hospital, they whisper in your ear, you are from Indianapolis, and we do the following better than anyone. And they give you three words. If we open the phone lines right now, and somebody that is a native of Indianapolis called in, I will bet significant money that they are going to know the three words that I'm – looking for instantly like literally we could do it roulette style at two three nine ten seventy when somebody calls in and just put them on right there and go okay are you from indy and if they're an indy native i would say what are the three words and they would know the answer all right well so so we'll leave that to the side we'll see if someone answers what what would you put anything else at 99 like oh i mean I'm with you, you i'm thinking cemeteries and listen, all that stuff i was uh in toronto in the train station they had a a Jamaican patties, like a, a patties of Jamaica, little kiosk, and the patties of Jamaica at Fifty Second and Allisonville. Absolutely, I would put up against anybody else. Okay. Now look, we got a roulette style right here. I'm just gonna pot one up. You ready? I think I can. I think I can do it from here. Uh, let's just go line four, Sam. Hit it. Uh, line four, roulette style. You are on the air. What's your name, sir or ma'am? My name is Rich. Rich, how old a fellow are you, Rich? I am 50 years old. 50 year old Rich. And were you born in Indy? Uh, I was born in Fort Wayne, actually. Okay. How old were you when you moved to Indy? Uh, I was about 10 years old when okay. I moved to Indy. Okay. So you basically lived here for uh, since 83. So that said, yeah. Rich, okay? Three letter or three words. When people talk about Indianapolis, the thing that Indianapolis claims that they do better than anybody, what we do is we do blank. Three words. What is it? Amateur sporting event. Really close. Really close, Rich, but I need you to, uh, and I appreciate that, because National Sports Festival in 82, right before you moved here, and then, of course, the Pan Am Games in 87. No doubt that that was, it was the amateur sports capital of the world. We'll go, he's really close with what he said. Line one. But there is a more, like, since then we've grown up, we've pulled up our big boy pants a little bit since then. Uh, Line one roulette, who's this? It's Terry. Terry? Terry with a T. Terry with a T. All right, Terry, what are the three words? Host big events. Ding, 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 ding. That is exactly correct. Uh-huh. 
That is like literally Indianapolis's calling card. We host big events better than anybody in the, the country. I mean, whether it be Super Bowls. Of course, it all starts with the Indianapolis 500, right? Of course. When, when, when you, right out of the box, are hosting and you are getting your feet wet by putting on every year the largest single-day spectator sport in the world, hosting big events, Indianapolis does better than anybody. And that leads into, Sam Fritz, what you were saying, because people that you talk to that come for the Super Bowl, that come for the Final Four, that come for the Indianapolis 500, if they're staying downtown, the one thing that they always say that they love about Indianapolis is, Sam? Traffic. Nah, not the, the, the other one. Oh, the walkability. 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 Yeah, that would be one of mine. I think the ability to go from the mall to Lucas Oil Stadium or Victory Field, I think that you don't have to step a foot outside hardly at all. I think that's a huge plus. Uh, like you said, with big events, the NFL Combine, I know they keep trying to move it out of Indy. Right. That's one thing I don't think anyone can touch from walkability and availability and just the facilities that we have here. I think the NFL Combine is one. Another one, uh, Ron pointed it out on on the YouTube chat, I can't agree more. Victory Field, AAA Baseball, find a better stadium than that. Great view of downtown. You got beer bats. You got Rowdy running around. Can't do better than That's that. That's a good one. Another one that I think is a big one. I, I didn't really think about it until uh, my sister-in-law came in town to visit a couple weekends ago. Uh, the parks, playgrounds, and splash pads that we have in the Indianapolis area are second to none. Um, they live in Northwest Indiana, and we don't have anything like this for the our one kids. One of Plainfield's really nice, right? I mean, there's a ton of them. They're you know, modern day playgrounds, but but for families with young kids, there's nothing better than Indianapolis playgrounds and parks and splash pads. They have nothing like that in Northwest Indiana. We have nothing like that in Illinois. Uh, Indianapolis does it right. You know, one thing in Indianapolis that we used to do really well, better than anybody, and I'd like to say we still do. But one thing in Indianapolis that I always took pride in growing up here that was unique to Indianapolis, I'm not saying it doesn't take place everywhere, but we did it better than others, was taking care of each other. Uh-huh. People in Indianapolis have a distinct pride about about being from Indianapolis. When I read Kurt Vonnegut's Cat's Cradle, there's a passage in it where the character in the in the movie or in the book is traveling worldwide and runs into another couple Vonnegut of course is from Indianapolis mm-hmm. the fictional character in Cat's Cradle from Indiana and runs into a couple from Indiana when he's traveling the world and the woman grabs him by the arm and says you know we Hoosiers tend to stick together there was an element of truth to that for so long where there was this distinct pride about being from Indiana almost a chip on the shoulder it's why Reggie Miller became so popular here because when he looked at the Knicks and he said like Indiana we're coming back like we're coming home for you he adopted the Hoosier chip on the shoulder mentality of pushing your chest out like look we're not the Hicks you think we are we're actually better than you think because we take care of each other and we are collectively a group as one I I that has waned a bit and we have fallen victim in this city, in my opinion, sometimes to bigger city issues of feeling like that we need to be represented by our upper as opposed to our totality. And we need to get back to it. But that's for an entirely different show. Matt Taylor joins us, Voice of the Colts, coming up in just the top of the hour here, just a couple minutes away. Matt Taylor joins us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Mark, is there anything in Western civilization, is there anything that has gone more bonkers in terms of outthinking itself and going way too far for just what is the simple task it needs to do than the American printer? You and the printer, you have you have beef constantly. I, I just needed to print one thing, and I go over to the printer, and it's like in warm-up mode, sleep mode, and then you do it, and it's like, okay, do you, what size do you want? What color do you want? What texture do you want? What background do you want? What depth do you want? I just want to print something. Well, for someone that has an odd sleep schedule, I think if the printer wants to sleep on its own time, it's allowed to do so. I, and I you don't, waking it up is kind of rude. But, like, there... 99.9% of things in my lifetime I have seen incredible advance. The printer is the one that anybody listening right now is like, yes, I miss the days of just a simple push a button and it prints. I don't need to answer 10,000 questions and then wait for it to sit there. I mean, it, it's like going through the TSA at the airport. I just want a sheet of paper. The printer in this office is your Everest. Uh, it's not just me. I'm telling you. <laughs> Uh, joining us now on the Payless Siggers Hotline, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so. Uh, I get to follow probably, printer talk. Listen, we're getting ready for the time of year where when it comes to the Colts roster, it's like the printer. You don't know who's sleeping. You don't know who's ready to go. You don't know. what. There's all kinds of nuances to figure out and determine about players. What Matt Taylor is the voice of the Colts, joins us now. Matt, a week from today, all hell breaks loose and your life becomes the hands of everybody else, right? Jake, you want eight and a half by 11. You want 11 by 14. You want color, right? And the worst is when you go to print something and you go to print preview and you think you're good, right? You check your margins. Everything you need is, is, is going to be in there when you go to print. And then it still cuts it off. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it still cutting this okay, off? Okay, so it's not just me, right? Like, they've way overthought these, right? Well, you got to, like, you got to swipe your company key card to make sure, like, so they can keep track of, like, how much you're printing. Because you know they don't want they don't want people to be the guy that's going to like rack up like you know three hundred pages every month yep. like sending out invitations to your kid's birthday party. So yeah, I mean the, the printing game. Trust me, I print a lot of stuff in in the, in the fall for for game materials. So I, I totally feel you on the printing struggles. Jake needs to swipe his key card after he printed off every professional sports logo. A few yeah, weeks that back, was, that was on, on single page. I don't even know how that happened. But Matt, here's the other thing that I think you and I or maybe the only two that can relate to this, but it is funny to me to give a glimpse behind the curtain for people. When you do what we do, in your case calling football games, in my case calling auto races, usually before the event there are a number of statistics and factoid information booklets that are available. But in the racing world, now that's all online. So like for the Indy 500 – the media guide that has like the facts of like, you know, this driver could become the seven, you know, whatever. Yeah. They, they always say, well, that's available online. And I'm like, look, when, so when Marco Andretti hits the wall at 220 miles an hour and I've got to figure out how many DNFs he has in his career and I have 12 seconds to do it, you want me to log yeah. in and then use my password. So <laughs> I have to print it all out ahead of time. And it's, it's a right. lot of paper. I would assume you do the same for games, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I take, yeah, I mean, I take printed materials, and I'll take press releases that are either printed or online. And, I mean, a big part of my week, I don't I don't know if people care about this or not, but, like, behind the curtain, a big part of my week, like, let's say the Colts play on Sunday and they don't have a game until the next Sunday. Like, up until probably Wednesday or Thursday is just organizing and clipping 
and quite frankly, a lot of times just copying and, and pasting and moving those things around based on my organizational system so that when things happen or I need them, I know where to go find them in real time so that I can incorporate those things on the broadcast. Absolutely. And oftentimes what happens is I'll read something and copy and paste something, and then that'll spur, uh, spawn like a different line of research. Like, okay, that happened, but I wonder when the last time this happened that's in conjunction with that, right? So absolutely, it's, it's there, there's a ton of, of printing and organizing stuff. And, you know, I always say like, you know, your, your, your game prep is like your handwriting. Like sometimes it only makes sense to you. Only you can read it. Only you can decipher like what it is and, and where you put it. So there's no right or wrong way to do that. But Yes, the the struggle is that everything now is digital. Everything's all online. Nobody prints anything anymore. I'm old school. You know, I think you're old school. You want everything to be, you know, at your disposal when you need it so that you can have it when when it's time to go on the broadcast. Matt, in terms of getting ready for camp and printing out those media guides, for example, um, those players that as of now, are not contractually signed to be able to show up at camp. Um, Anthony Richardson, if I'm not mistaken, is one of those, one of the rookies that's unsigned. It doesn't worry me a lot because there's not a whole lot of negotiating that has to take place. But do we read into it all the fact that if I'm – and you correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's unsigned at this point, right? Right, yeah. You've got Richardson, you've got Juju Brents, who the Colts picked up in, in the second round, and you've got Blake Freeland, who the Colts drafted, I think, in round four, the offensive lineman. And that's a great question for, you know, like Mike Bloom, who's the Colts, like, capologist and is the smartest guy I know within the Colts building. He massages all the numbers and handles all the contracts, and he knows – to, to me, it doesn't really make any sense why guys aren't unsigned. Like, my surface-level understanding of all of this is it's a slotted wage scale system now, right? So if you're drafted first overall, you're going to make X. If yeah, you drafted, know what you're getting, right? Right. Yeah, so it really doesn't make I've asked Mike this question before, like, I think both on the record and off the record, and every time he's given me the answer – I come away more confused than than before because I really don't understand why some guys sign right right away and then other guys, you know, like in, in this case, it's, it's all the way up until the week before camp. So I, I do know that those guys cannot practice until they sign. So that's obviously a storyline going into next Wednesday, the first practice day. Report day is the 25th, first practice the 26th. So they got to get it done contractually and logistically before then in order to see the field. I think it's usually like offset language or something about like if they reach this certain bonus or something. I, it's usually something. I, I mean, something I can minor see like, like that upfront money, maybe. I don't know, Matt. Like in terms of the amounts of money, and and I know that I'm asking kind of rhetorically because I'm not sure you would know either. But you know, like if you're a rookie and it is a you know you you are set to make X amount of dollars, there may be some negotiation maybe on how much of that is immediately available to you versus having sure. it set out over the course of time, etc. Right. Yeah. It's got to be just small, tiny minutia stuff like that in order for it to, to you know, have, have it be a hang-up going into camp like this. Because, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, it is. You're going to make X if you're drafted here or if you're, you know, the 27th pick in the fifth round, you're going to make this. And, and so it's got to be, you know, just the, the fine print and, and crossing the T's, down the I's kind of thing. And I think 
I don't think it's contentious at all with any of those guys. I just think they're kind of just waiting it out and, and making sure that uh, everything is in line with how they want it and how they prefer things. And there's there's a million things that go into an NFL contract that I think the average fan doesn't know about that certainly I do not know about. And admittedly, I, I try to stay away from that stuff because it'll make your head spin, and I got enough to worry about anyways. Just getting these guys on the field and – and knowing their backstory and, and uh, you know, memorizing names and numbers and colleges and, and pertinent statistics uh, re- regarding, you know, their, their production. So uh, I, I purposely don't even try to open up contracts and memorize those things because it's a, it's a lost cause for me because my brain can handle only so much. And the business side of football is something that's just completely over my head. That's why you have guys like Mike Bloom in the building that are, handling the salary cap. So if there's any big picture questions like that, you just go to Mike and he'll, he'll be able to explain it. But then sometimes it's, it's too nuanced and too intricate that it's better off just like you deal with it. You tell me when these guys are signed and we'll go from there. Matt, tell me the most intriguing storyline heading into Colts camp that does not involve Jonathan Taylor, Shaquille Leonard, or Anthony Richardson. Well, those are all the good ones, man. Um, you know, I think probably for me outside of those, it would just be, you know, Chris Ballard is going to talk to the media on Tuesday, and I'm sure he's going to be asked how he feels and, and what his confidence level is in the depth of both the offensive line and in the secondary, particularly at cornerback. Because, I mean, outside of Kenny Moore the second, who is primarily, as we know, in nickel corner, uh, you just don't have a lot of depth. You don't have a lot of – well, I shouldn't say you don't have depth because you do have depth. You've got a lot of guys that can play there but you don't have a lot of experience and you have a lot of youth, right? So if, if Kenny Moore is not back there, then then you're really looking at almost a brand-new secondary with the departure of uh, Brandon Faison and Stephon Gilmore and then Isaiah Rogers and his situation. So, you know, it's not necessarily a problem right now, but it is the reality of the situation where the Colts are at. They're, they're going to be relying heavily on, on Juju Brents and Darius Rush and Dallas Flowers and Jalen Jones. Right? I mean, these are all first- and second-year players that you know, one, of the, one or two of those guys is potentially in for a starting role or, at the very least, key contributors on defense and on special teams. So keeping an eye on that in terms of how that plays out, I think it's going to be pretty fluid. Uh, I think it's going to be a fluctuating situation basically all the way from the beginning of camp until the end of those preseason games. I don't think who you see out there you know, day one next Wednesday is necessarily who you're going to see out there in week four, right, in, in mid-October. So that's going to be an ongoing thing with Gus Bradley and his defense. And then I think on the offensive line, you like who's coming back. I think the offensive line is capable, certainly much capable, of, of being able to bounce back after last year, just collectively the performance of 60 sacks allowed and you know, all the pressures and not being able to handle those stunts and the blitzes and the line of scrimmage. I think Richardson's really going to help out with that to kind of lighten the box. But Again, you know, you're you're an injury away from, you know, you're a, a Braden Smith or a Bernard Ryman, either one of your tackles. If if either one of those guys go down in camp, you know, it, it's Blake Freeland, and, and then it's a bunch of guys that haven't really started a, a ton uh, of of time uh, along that offensive line, either at tackle or at guard, and then the, the guard situation too, right, with Will Fries potentially Danny Pinter uh, trying to figure out what's going to happen at the right guard position. So no question, I think depth is going to be tested and 
they have to feel that out in terms of their confidence level, both up front on the offensive line and then in the secondary at cornerback. Those are things that I'm going to be watching all camp long starting next Wednesday. Matt Taylor joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Talking about confidence level, Matt, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier on the show. Uh, your confidence level that Shaq Leonard will see the field this year. Well, just like everybody else, you know, it's it's that, that's a huge mystery. I mean, I mean, I heard what you guys were talking about earlier today on my drive in, and you know, I saw the social media video of him working out just like everybody else, which that's that's certainly an encouraging sign. But you know, you're talking about a guy that just hasn't played a whole lot of football since what January of of 2022, which is the end of the 2021 season. So, I mean, he played 74 snaps all of last year, which is you know, sprinkled over the course of, of three games. And so he's missed a ton of time, both on the field, but just time on task within the Gus Bradley defense as well. I mean, we forget about that. The last time he really thrived and was healthy and played at a high level was in the Matt Eberflus defense. So, you know, it's one thing to get back on the field, but it's another to, to really know and understand and, and be able to execute at a high level in a new scheme, which – I don't think he'd have any problem doing that, but it's just the reality again of, of he just hasn't played a whole lot in this defense. And we all know that when he's out there, he is just the emotional leader. I mean, it's sort of like that, that cliche of, of high tides lift all boats. That's, that's Shaq Leonard when he's on the field. Like the defense is just different emotionally, spiritually, you know, motivation wise. And, and just he's an elite player, obviously being able to take the football away E.J. Speed is a similar type of player as Shaq Leonard, but what makes him truly elite, Shaq, that is, is just his nose for the football, being able to change the game and keep defenses out of the end zone and, and all of those things. So to get him back on the field would be enormous, but just considering the amount of time that he has missed and everything is just a big question mark with his injury because of how tricky it's been with the ankle and then the nerve and the back and two different surgeries. I mean, anytime you talk about two back surgeries in the span of six months with anybody, let alone a high level, you know, NFL linebacker taking on the impact that he does, um, that's tricky. And you have to think long term and you have to think about what's best for the team, what's best for him. And so, yeah, you're, you're, you're in a good spot because you have speed, you have Franklin and the Colts don't play a whole lot of, you know, three linebacker sets on defense, you know, playing the base defense. But I'm just saying, if you get him back, it's just such an added bonus. It's like such gravy, uh, you know, with, with, with that defense because of, of who he is and what he can be and certainly how he changes the game. So definitely a storyline. I don't know what to expect. I don't know if we're going to see him out there Wednesday. I don't know what to expect on the preseason or if he's going to be able to go regular season-wise. Um, you know, we, we've sort of just had this cautionary tale on Shaq this entire time as the Colts try to figure out him and this injury and to do right by the team, incorporating him back in this defense whenever that time comes. Matt, whenever like a friend of mine or a colleague, whatever it might be, uh, unfortunately, we all have circumstances where you get laid off or, or you, you leave your job, whatever it might be. And I always ask people when that happens, well, what's your oblique date? And your oblique date is like the date in which if you haven't found a job yet, now you're getting concerned, right? So when it comes to Shaq Leonard, in your opinion, in terms of seeing him out full throttle in practice in relation to when he would be able to then be productive in game situations, the oblique date would be when? 
mean, it's so hard to say because, again, uh, you know, physically you don't know where he's at. We're going to get way more definitive answers on this Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. So maybe I'll have a better, you know, oblique date then. But I think just big picture, I mean, I'm only speaking for myself. You know, a, a lot of times, you know, you hear guys being held out, and the Colts did hold out a lot of guys in the spring for cautionary reasons, you know, like Michael Pittman was held out, uh, you know, at substantial time in the spring. Same thing with Alec Pierce. A lot of these pass catchers, right, Josh Downs, Jelani Woods, no reason to push it during the spring. I think every case is a little bit different. And obviously Shaq Leonard not being out there was, depending on who you are, you know, it's, is, is it a big deal? Is it not a big deal? To me it was more of a, well, it's, they're still trying to figure this out in the spring. I mean, the fact that he missed another spring was a little bit eyebrow-raising, at least for me, right? I'm only speaking for myself. So my oblique date might be a little bit different than – than other people's oblique date that, that cover this team. So I think for me, if he's not out there, you know, 100% uh, participating in, in practice, you know, full go, and, and by that I mean being out there uh, with no limitations, right, no red jersey, uh, doing 11-on-11 11 11 work, um, participating in those joint practices. It, it, to me, it would be those joint practices. If, if he misses those – you know, a substantial amount of time in those three preseason joint practices, two with Chicago, one with Philly, then my eyebrows would go up a little bit further. But listen, I mean, it's you're talking about an interesting guy and, an, and, a, and a fascinating case here with this injury, trying to get him right. And all I know is when he's out there, the next time you see Shaq Leonard on the field in the game, he's going to be 110% ready to go, considering what happened to him last year, coming back and trying to feel like he was, you know, he was let, he felt like he was letting the team down by not being out there and rushed back maybe quicker than he than he should have, which made the injury worse and wasn't playing up to his standards and and wasn't able to to be a, you know, as big of a contributor as he wanted to be on defense. So all of that I think is behind him. I think psychologically he's been able to kind of compartmentalize with that and deal with that. So I I'm confident that when you see him on the field, he's going to be right, right? He's going to be healthy and he's going to be you know, in, in in his mind, anyways, the the same Shaq Leonard. But when we get to that point, because of the complexity of this injury, is is still unknown. Matt Taylor is our guest. He's the voice of the Colts. He's on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Matt, I don't know. My assumption is that, in fact, in terms of injuries, that it happens to the Colts at a higher rate than other franchises. I don't know that. I don't cover other franchises. And I know that that's a popular question about the franchise each and every year. Somebody asked me to ask you, why do the Colts get hurt more than other franchises? I don't want to put you in that position per se because I know that you're a representative of the franchise indirectly. But I, I guess the question would be this. Do you think it is possible that the field surface that the Colts play on lends itself towards more injury than other places? Well, I do know that the, the, the NFL has a study, or I should say the NFLPA, uh, not, not the NFL, the union, but the, the Players Association does a study. And that's been talked about a lot this offseason about how synthetic surfaces, you know, statistically and percentage-wise lead to more injuries and they lead to more, you know, specific lower body injuries and knee injuries and things like that. So, I mean, I, I know what the data says league-wide about, 
playing on turf. And then you have different kinds of turf and, and all of that. Then you kind of get into the weeds. I will say, though, I mean, if you go back to to last training camp, the Colts were incredibly healthy. Uh, I mean, last, last, last training camp from a, from a health standpoint and an availability standpoint could not have been smoother, which is – which was, I should say, in complete contrast to how the year before went, right? Remember all those injuries with you know, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith, and you had Ryan Kelly dealing with the elbow, and it just uh, seemingly your entire offensive line banged up. A lot of skill guys were in trouble. And that 21 season, it was almost like the first four games of the year where it was like, you know, training camp 2.0 because everybody was coming back after an injury, at, you know, in September. And you had a lot of just discombobulation with timing and synergy and chemistry and things like that. Um, so, I mean, there, there's no magic formula to this because, again, we, we were going back to training camp last year and Matt Ryan was looking sharp, which he was. I mean, there's no denying how good he looked and how you know in command he felt of this offense and was being a leader in a short amount of time and everybody was healthy. And they were doing, you know, they were practicing at, at noon or 1 o'clock in the afternoon to simulate when they were going to be playing games and they just did everything right and looked good doing it. And it had no, you know, bearing on getting off to a fast start. It just didn't happen. Right. I mean, the tie in Houston, uh, getting beat 24 to nothing in Jacksonville, right. Just another slow start. Um, so I just think not that you don't plan for that, not that you don't try to get off to a good start. I just think that, that injuries in this, in this league, are so mainstream and they're inevitable and you just I, I really don't buy into the notion that the Colts are more snake bitten in injuries than other teams or they're doing things different to lead to injuries. I just think that's professional football, man. And you know the Colts practice outside every chance they get to stay away from synthetic surfaces. But the reality is they do play on a field turf surface, you know, for their home games at Lucas Oil Stadium, just like a lot of other teams do. So I don't think I'm qualified to answer that question, but I do know that injuries kind of come and go. They hit teams in waves, and you know, last year they were really healthy this time of year. Hopefully that they can replicate that going into this training camp uh, at the end of the preseason. But uh, there's really no rhyme or reason, in my opinion, covering professional football and having been a player you know, at a small college level, you know, Division three. I mean, it's just it's just all about how you play that day. It's psychologically where you're at that day to get off to a good start in weeks one, two, and three. Um, you know, you, you do everything you can to, to generate a good start, but it's really just how do you play in between those white lines that given Sunday between 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joining us for another couple of moments. Uh, we had Edger and James on earlier in the show, Matt. I don't know if you caught that interview or not, but I wanted to know your favorite memory of Edge. Well, we had we had we actually talked with Edge earlier in the summer. We do this uh, summer podcast series called Colts Reunion, where we talk to a lot of former players, and Edge was was part of that. And I mean, he's just he's got to be one of the coolest dudes of all time, one of the greatest, just laid back, cool guys, you know, most most comfortable in his own skin type of players to ever put on a Colts helmet. And um, you know, the, the stretch play always comes to mind, right, where he's just feeling it out, trying to find a gap, trying to find a hole, and then cutting and slashing. I mean, as a, as a kid, every Sunday, I just remember, you know, the, the running game opening up the passing game for, for Peyton Manning and, uh, you know, Dallas Clark and, and, uh, and certainly Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne 
Um, probably my, my favorite moment was probably one of his least favorite moments when he was obviously tackled from behind with the dreads and then having to make that decision to, to cut those dreads off for, for his own sake and for his production standpoint. Cleveland. Um, he got tackled by the dreads in Cleveland. Yeah, yep. And then you know, the, the, the crazy thing about Edron James, when we were doing the research for, for that interview, Jay, you'll appreciate this because you covered it in real time. You know, he, he obviously led the NFL in rushing his first two years. And then he, I think it was year three, year four, suffers the ACL. If you go back, I think he would have had, like, if you go back and just rack up the amount of yardage that he had post-ACL surgery and just focused on those numbers, he's still rushing-wise, I think would still have, like, the 17th highest rushing total in NFL history post-ACL surgery. Yeah. Just those numbers alone. Yeah. And it, it's just crazy to me the, the amount of production that he had and everybody tries to – I mean, I think why it took so long for him to get into the Hall of Fame was everybody downplayed his significance to that offense because of everything else around him. But, I mean, numbers are numbers, and production is production. Well, that's what, and, he, always, that's and what he always strove for. Matt, after the injury, you know, I think people forget, before the injury he had great breakaway speed. And that probably is the one thing that eluded him after the injury – and I don't know that he's the same back after the injury unless he is one of the smartest running backs that you could find, sure. and he was. And I don't think he was given enough credit for that. And he, the other thing that he did, Matt, was Edron James, to me, was one of the best blitz-reading and anticipating blocking backs in the history of the game. And I don't mean that as hyperbole. I mean, he had no problem whatsoever if he realized somebody was coming retreating from doing an out pattern and dropping back to protect Peyton Manning and throwing a block. He, he he knew that was his job, and he did it and never once blinked about it. And I that it, always impressed me. And what did he say during his Hall of Fame speech? Just do your job, right? Just do your job, right? If he doesn't do that, right? If he doesn't take pride in being a, a third-down blitz pickup running back, you know, Peyton Manning gets destroyed uh, more often than not and is not able to – move the chains down the field in the passing game. Just do your job. He took incredible amount of pride in that. And, again, just a guy that was so comfortable in his own skin. I love that story. Is He's working out and he's rehabbing you know, from the ACL. But, I mean, he's, he's his own guy, right? He's on a different schedule. And he keeps different hours than other people, right? He's not going to be a guy that's going to do physical therapy with somebody, you know, from 2 to 4 in the afternoon. That's not edge. He's going to. You know, he he bought his own what what was it? I mean, his own office building or his own warehouse in Miami, and he turned that into his gym. And he worked out, you know, like in the middle of the night because that's just edge. Like those are the hours that he kept. That's when he felt like he was most focused and and could just be on his own and get the job and the and the rehab done. So fascinating guy, incredibly nice human being, a, a great humanitarian, um, and just a, a pleasure to talk to. So that. If I could just uh, pub it, it's it's on Colts.com and in the Colts Audio Network. Uh, anywhere you download your podcast, it's called the Colts Reunion Series. We did Edron James. We did Adam Vinatieri, Anthony Costanzo. Uh, we have one coming out uh, this week as well. So um, just a, a lot of fun to talk to a lot of these former players. And uh, Dallas Clark, too, we did him. So check that out if you can. And, and Edron James is one of my favorite ones we did this summer. Matt Taylor, appreciate the time as always. Hope you enjoyed the offseason. The grind is only just beginning for you, my friend. We'll see you out at Westfield 
starting next week. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joining us on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Have a good one, Matt. We'll see you. I pre- yep, appreciate you guys. See you up there. Uh, last night in the wee hours when I was keeping my odd hours, not in a warehouse that I bought, I came up with a pop quiz. I emailed it to you. Your thoughts on the pop quiz, Mark? Pretty solid. The lack of a wrestling question was disappointing, but that's okay. <laughs> it's not my wheelhouse. Uh, but we'll do it next. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's get through a quick morning check down and then do the pop quiz. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Three games yesterday in Major League Baseball finished with a score of 11 to 10. That was the most significant thing to happen in the majors, as well as the San Francisco Giants sweeping a doubleheader from the Reds. It wasn't really a doubleheader, but they were making finishing the game that got rained on Monday. 4-2 the Giants win that game. Then they come back, and they are one of those 11-10 winners. The others were uh, Kansas City had one, and I think it was Detroit and the Sox. Isn't that right? The Mets and the White Sox. Mets and the White Mets, Sox. Mets and Mets topped the White Sox 11-10. Yep. Kansas City and Detroit was 11-10. Is that right? believe you're correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going yep, off the that's top right. of my head. Uh-huh. We that's did it. it. Okay. Uh, Fever, take on the Washington Mystics today at 11.30 in D.C. That's the other sports note of note. Uh, up next, WWE Fastlane tickets. Pair of tickets. The show at Gainbridge Fieldhouse on October 7th. 317-239-1070. Call for the pop quiz. It's up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Pop quiz time on Kevin and Query. We've got a pair of tickets to WWE Fastlane, their premium live event coming in Gainbridge Fieldhouse on Saturday, October 7th. We've had tickets all week long. Jake... Lines one through eight. Uh, we'll go with my favorite number since I referenced Jay Edwards earlier in the show, number three. Who do we got, Sam? That is Danny. Danny, what's up, man? Hey, how we doing? Doing well. You a big WWE fan? Oh, yeah. Who's yep. your favorite wrestler? Yeah, the era. Um, I have to go for, like, Undertaker, I'd say. Okay. Old school, Dusty Rhodes. Okay, okay. I, I We don't have a, a WWE question on the pop quiz today, but I'm going to throw one at you right now. Dominic, Dominic Mysterio is currently the part of what faction in WWE? Judgment Day. Boom. There you go. He's a real fan. Danny, how old a fella are you? Uh, 37. 37-year-old Danny. Oh, okay. Right in my wheelhouse. Um, and Now, Danny, here's a question for you out of curiosity. Are you a regular listener of the program? So, in the morning. so I'm 13 years older than you, which I don't feel like. I, I feel like I'm still 37. But I am curious from your perspective as a younger fella. Uh, how often – would you say more often than not that I, I come off as an old guy or a hip guy? Oh, hip all the way, 100%. <laughs> that was a good okay, lie man. you just told That me. was nice, Danny. And, and, and you would list me as hip based on what? Everything about you, Jake. Come on. <laughs> that is <laughs> – it's hard to pick just one. Danny, you are the man. Have we met before, Danny? I wish, but no. Now, would you like to come to the PBR party that hopefully someday, like in by the year 2050, is going to happen? Uh, would you Would you oh, want absolutely. to sit down? Diet Cokes are perfectly sufficient, but we. what topic would you like to discuss? If we're just going to sit and chat over a PBR, it's going to be talking about what? Oh, let's go. Let's go with the Colts. Okay, that's cool. 
All right, would you like for me, that would be Jake, or for Mark to lead you off with question number one, Danny, and I appreciate the kind words. Oh, let's go. Let's go with you, Jake, the hip guy. Oh, All right, that ego you, a little man. more. All right, here we go, Danny. Much has been made of the lowly seasons of Kevin's Oakland A's as well as the Kansas City Royals. But who has the worst record in the National League? Is it the Washington Nationals, the Colorado Rockies, the Pittsburgh Pirates, or the Miami Marlins? Uh, let's go with the Colorado Rockies. Okay. All right, Danny. Question two. On this day in 1985, the year of my birth, this tennis star at 17 became the youngest winner in Wimbledon history. Was it Tracy Austin, Michael Chang, Jennifer Capriati, or Boris Becker? Uh, what was the first one again? Tracy? Not the right answer. Uh, okay, that's. I was just making sure. I didn't think so. Um, let's go with B. Okay. Okay. Question number three. Also in this date in 2009, 59-year-old Tom Watson. Came within one hole of securing the U.S. Open, but a late collapse sent him into a four-hole playoff where he lost to whom? Mark, are you positive how to pronounce this guy's last name? Because I forget. Stuart Sink. Stuart Sink, David Duvall, Tiger Woods, or Vijay Singh? Uh, Stuart Sink. Okay. All right. Earlier in the show, we had on Edron James. James led the league in rushing yards in his first season, but his third first his, two seasons. First two sorry. seasons, but his third season ended after six games due to a knee injury during a primetime road game. Where was that game taking place? Was it New England, Kansas City, Miami, or Tennessee? Uh, Kansas City. All right. Last question for you. This weekend, IndyCar will have a doubleheader in Iowa. Once again, when I am on my way there, I will stop in West Branch, as I do each and every year, to visit the home and library of what U.S. president? Eisenhower, Coolidge, Harding, or Hoover? Uh, oh, Eisenhower. Okay. Uh, not bad, Danny. Not bad at all. Uh, Solid outing. What line of work are you in, Danny? Uh, I am a delivery driver for some wine and spirits. Oh, that's oh. cool. Nothing wrong with that. What's I need that some a- wine and spirits 7 to 10 most weeks, so can you swing on by? <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, I got you. you do plenty of wine. You just need to get a little spirit about oh, yourself, get out Mark. Of here. All right, here we go. Let's see how you did, Danny, and I appreciate the kind words again. Question number one. In fact, the Colorado Rockies do have the worst record in the National League. And he got three out of the next four right, or three, uh, two out of the next four, I should say. Stuart Sink was correct. Kansas City was where Edron James got injured. That was also correct. He slipped up on question two and question five. The correct answer in 1985, this tennis star at 17 became the youngest winner in Wimbledon history. It was Boris Becker. And then question five, where is Jake going to visit the president at West Branch? Uh, I've been to Dwight Eisenhower's. That is in Abilene, Kansas, by the way. Warren G. Hardings is in Marion, Ohio. But in West Branch, Iowa, you find the... Home, the resting place in the library of Herbert Hoover. Ironically enough, Herbert Hoover was, before becoming president, he was essentially the, and I don't know the exact title, but he oversaw the initiatives to feed as many people in in, in the United States as possible, to reduce hunger in the United States. And if you go to his resting place, which is right off of I-80, there's a row of bushes behind where he is entombed. And the only thing you see in the horizon is a very large McDonald's Golden Arches sign behind him. 
That can be said for a lot of places seems, these days. Seems fitting, right? Danny, stay on the line. Congrats. You're going to WWE Fastlane. You get a pair of tickets. Sam will take your information on the on off the air. And on the other side of this, we've got some USAC racing talk, right, Jake? That's, that's correct. Yep. Indiana Sprint Week underway. And we'll talk to one of the guys that's going to be driving in it. Round out and the show. Been doing with, so for a long time. Round out the show with Kyle Cummins up next. 93.5-1075 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 15 minutes before the hour of 10 o'clock on this, what is today, the 19th? Mark? Correct, yes. Wednesday, the 19th of 2023. That means that we are right on the cusp of the USAC NOS Energy Drink Indiana Sprint Week, presented by Honest Abe Roofing. Honest Abe, I went out uh, to Circle City Raceway and was watching some uh, racing just before the 500, and Honest Abe, one of the cars had Honest Abe big top hat painted uh-huh. on the side. Watching, It was like watching Abe Lincoln. I was say, that probably was your favorite car. July 21st, Gas City. July 22nd, Kokomo. July 23rd, Lawrenceburg. July 24th, Circle City Raceway that I mentioned, which is fabulous out in the Marion County Fairgrounds. Uh, and then July 26th, the Terre Haute Action Track. July 27th in Putnamville. July 28th in Bloomington. And then Tri-State Speedway on July 29th. So a lot of racing taking place. All of the drivers trying to join great names in the year's uh, histories, Levi Jones, Brian Clawson, of course, Brady Bacon, Dave Darlin, J.J. Yaley, among those who have won Indiana Sprint Week and been the champions of the event. And our next guest would like to become one of those. Kyle Cummins joins us trying to win the 36th annual Indiana Sprint Week. He is the driver of the Rock Steady Racing number 3R car. And let's begin with the obvious question, Kyle, which is this. Uh, two ways to look at that. It was exhausting for me just to read off all those dates. I'm not the one that's hauling a trailer around and getting in the car and racing them. Is it more physically challenging or mentally challenging? Um, I'd say uh, probably a little bit more physical. Um, all depends how, how what kind of heat we're going to have this week. Yeah, it's, I can imagine that. I Do you, I, you know, I was going to say, do you feel the heat in the cars because you're the way you're moving, you got a lot of air running through there, though, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, the motor, though, your your feet are kind of sitting at the rear of the motor, so the motor puts off a, a decent amount of heat. But um, I don't know. I think we're kind of used to it by by this time in the summer. Um, we've been running enough to where your body's kind of ready for it. Um, but definitely after uh, after night three or four, you can definitely kind of feel it. It's good to have that one one night off, and um, and by the end of the week, uh, you're you're ready to uh, you're ready to take a little bit of a break. Kyle, you and I are almost the same age. Uh, I'm 37 years old. I'm always curious what got you into racing initially. What 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 got you interested? And in the first time you went super fast, I'm always intrigued by that because I'm like I can't imagine going that fast and feeling feeling comfortable. Yeah, my dad um, he actually did it. Um, he raced sprint cars and. Um, when I was, uh, I guess when I was before I was born, and um, you know he, so we grew, I grew up around it, and um, you know he always did it, and you know just going to the racetrack with him until I started racing go karts when I was probably eight to ten years old, and then uh, he finally 
slowed down racing and kind of let me take over. And, um, you know, I've been doing it for a long time now, it seems like. But um, I started racing sprint cars when I was 15, so I'm 35 now. And uh, so I've been doing it doing it quite a while. And um, definitely that first time, you know, from go-karts to then we raced these pro modifieds, then we went directly into sprint cars. So I do remember the first time um, it kind of blurred my vision a little bit. Um, when I when I really gassed it up for the first time in hot laps, and I thought, can can I really do this? Uh, this is pretty wild. But um, you know, you kind of get used to it, and um, and then you know, that's kind of that. Which is harder, Kyle, to transfer from one kind of a race car to another? In other words, to go in from a midget to a sprint, you know, to a modified whatever it might be. The the different feel of the cars, or to transfer from different surfaces dirt to pavement etc um i don't really do a lot of i don't do any pavement actually now um back in the day I but you had like in your karting career i'd assume right yeah back and forth we did um you know i think um i don't know i i think you just kind of mindset is once you do it you kind of understand so um it just takes a couple laughs for your mind to to remember what you're doing again and then it just kind of becomes normal so um i don't know if either of them is is much different you just have to once you make those first couple laps you just kind of okay this is what this car has to feel like or okay this is this is how this one feels um so it's kind of the same really kyle cummins has over 17 or owns i should say 17 career usac National Sprint Car wins, a chance to pick up several of them coming up here in Indiana Sprint Week, which begins here on the 21st in Gas City. Um, Kyle, my understanding is, and one of the things I love about racing is racers are competitive, man. You know, whether it be against, I mean, at the highest levels, guys within their own team, trying to outdo their teammates, trying to win races. But when it comes down to it and adversity sets in, there is a great camaraderie amongst the sport, and I think people have a respect for other racers. That came into play for you, if I'm not mistaken. Take me back. I think it was in Florida at the beginning of the year. You you got knocked down not once but twice at no fault of yours with some engine issues, and all of a sudden, like, help comes from miles away. Take me through it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the sport's kind of uh, – even though we're all going after each other and it's kind of like a, a war or a battle, um, you know – Everyone is kind of, um, you know, everyone's kind of friends and buddies and everyone helps and chimes in and helps and, you know, spare parts and stuff. But, yeah, we, we blew two engines uh, two nights in a row. And um, my uh, some of my buddies from up north here and a, and a guy I knew had an engine and uh, they were going to let us uh, borrow it or buy it or something. And um, I got a, got a hold of some of my buddies and one was actually in Texas on his way from Texas back to Indiana. And, uh, and one was, was here at my hometown and they got together, picked my pickup truck up, went and went and got a new in- this engine that we borrowed from another race car and uh, another team um, that kind of runs local stuff around here and uh, drove all night and drove that engine down to us. And, <laughs> and then I'll we, just uh, swing by Texas to, to, to come by Florida, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I know. I see. When they got there, they were tired. Uh, but they uh, they got there about one in the afternoon. Got the car in. Got there by five o'clock, and it was close. But then we we won the finale, 
and uh, the 10,000 win finale. So uh, everyone was excited, and it definitely made the, the hard work worth it. I hope if you stopped at Texas, you stopped at a Bucky's. That's like the show. <laughs> they didn't have time, Mark. No, you always have time for Bucky's. You can make a pit stop. Kyle Cummins, USAC driver, joining us right now they on the Payless. a lot of NOS energy is what yeah, they did. That's right. On the Payless Liggers hotline right now. Kyle, uh, you've been mostly a local driver uh, for most of your life, but you've taken on a national schedule. How's that transition been going for you? Uh, it's going all right. It's, it's extremely um, – so I own a machine shop, and that's why um, New Tech Precision Machine. And so that's why I never – I just run local stuff. And, I mean, we go to Florida and do a little bit of traveling, but, you know, never going to – never ran the full series. And um, this year we kind of – things were going pretty good. And um, Avante – Jerry Petty with Avante Windows and Doors came on board and um, had some – we have some really good sponsors that we've had before. And um, – we just we were running pretty good. Um, I got a I have a daughter that's two and a half, and I have a boy that's going to be born in beginning of October. So I felt like this is my only time to do it. So this will probably be my one and only year to run the run all the races in the series. And so um, and they they don't go out to uh, this year is like the first year in forever that they didn't go out to California at the end of the year for like a month. And so um, it's made it very stressful with my business, but um, and very stressful just making sure I'm there all the time. But it's, it's been a it's been fun, and you know there's a bunch of racetracks we haven't ran before. Um, so you know when we come back here to Indiana, this is more of kind of our home turf, and um, so we definitely have a better shot at all these races. But um, you know these other ones, it's been it's it's been. I don't know if I'd say enjoyable, but, um, you know, it's been fun running different racetracks, just uh, just a little stressful at the same time. I so, can see uh, it right now, Kyle. 20 years from now, your son's on a radio show somewhere, and he says, well, you know, my dad was racing just, well, just before I was born, as a matter of fact. Yeah. That's how, that's how it's all going to go down, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm definitely going to, I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll keep racing. And, um, you know, we run all the big races when we're, you know, around here and we always go to Florida. I love going to Florida and, um, it's just a couple of the Pennsylvania swings, the, the running at Texas. And, you know, sometimes, um, there's been times before where we just, we couldn't make it to the race cause I was busy or my owner, he owns a, he owns a business too. So it's very, uh, everyone on our team has a full-time job and, um, I know there is others too, but, um, we just, we, I don't even know if we were prepared for it. Um, just things were going good. So we just all kind of decided, okay, let's, let's try it. And, um, you know, I run the USAC midget, um, for Glen stars racing. And I kind of had to pump the brakes on that a little bit and, uh, you know, just let it sit in the garage so I could, I could put all my efforts to working and making it to all those sprint car races. Well, I'll tell you what, Kyle, um, last 30 seconds here, but circle city raceway, notably July 24th, you're going to be there. Um, they've done a lot of great work out there. They got a lot of new clay laid down and dirt laid down, and that's a that's an awesome track, man. So certainly enjoy it, and we wish you the best of luck throughout all of the races starting on the 21st at Gas City and Indiana Spring Week. Appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you guys for having me. All right, again, Kyle Cummins, native of Princeton, Indiana, driver of the Rocksteady Racing number 3R and Sprint Week getting underway again. 21st in Gas City, 22nd in Kokomo, 23rd in Lawrenceburg, 24th, Circle City Raceway right here in Indy, the 26th at the Terre Haute, Terre Haute Action Track, Lincoln Park on the 27th, Bloomington on the 28th, and Tri-State Speedway on 
the 29th. Uh, good show today. Edger and James was great. That'll be up on the podcast later, right, Mark? That uh, will be c- correct, yes. All right. It's going to be a beautiful day outside today, everybody. Uh, enjoy it. We look forward to talking to you again tomorrow, 7 o'clock. Kevin Bowen back on Monday. Mark Dykton capably filling in Sam Fritz as well. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.